Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Action Radio. This is Greg Penglis coming to you from the historic district of downtown Milton on the banks of the beautiful Blackwater River. And now let's get into Action Radio. Well, I think summer is subsiding a little tiny bit. Uh, Greetings from the Gulf Coast, Gulf of Mexico here. We're near uh, Pensacola, Florida. I'm in Milton. Uh, and it's, it's getting a little nicer out there. It's not quite as bad. The days are just a touch shorter. So all you folks that keep track of such things like that, we've already had our, our, our um, what does they call it, the summer solstice, June 21st. So we're now into August already. So we're almost, uh, we're over a month away and losing about two and a little bit minutes per day. Uh, of uh, daylight uh, is it's getting shorter, which means the days are getting shorter, which means it's uh, harder for the sun to heat everything up as much as it did, you know, June 21st and, and, and beyond. July sucked. <laughs> July just totally sucked around here. Uh, anyway, just did. Anyway, so let me uh, play a new theme. I have, in fact, I don't even know if CJ's heard her new theme yet. I have an old theme with a new name because <laughs> it was so good. I kept the old theme and put uh, CJ's name on it. So let's play this and I'll bring her uh, right on. What is health? What does it take to stay healthy? We have a longer lifespan than 100 years ago, but is the quality of life any better? 100 years ago, their food was better. They got more exercise. They weren't as fat. They didn't have preservatives, antidepressants, sugar in everything, and they didn't have vaccines. If you talk about alternative health care, people think of crystals, incense, strange candles, Ouija boards, notions, potions, lotions, and total hippies telling you to detox, man. So let's change our system of sick care into wellness. Let's get healthy. Let's lower our stress, stop taking in poisons, eat and drink organic, clean food, and let's have a chat with CJ, because this is CJ's Wellness Watch on Action Radio. Oh, yeah, and I changed the music, too. <laughs> do you like your theme? I do like it. Yeah. I do like it. Yes, okay, very good. good. Very good. Yeah. Well, thank you. Yeah, I'll be playing that uh, before every time uh, every time you come on. So I, I like. I don't know if anybody else does this, but I, I have so many reporters and so many wonderful people on the show that I figure you all deserve your own theme. And so, um, you know, people don't realize this, but uh, you, you think the work is on the show? No. <laughs> the work is between the shows. And so, so much goes on. Right. You know, and you know that too, right? Because you, you you do uh, all kinds of uh, video stuff, and so because of that, I, don't know, I think it's about a, a three to one ratio: three hours of prep, one hour of showtime. The show's the easy part. I just relax now. The the, the work's done. <laughs> you know, and it, it's done from starting at four in the morning until now. Um, yeah. What do you think? Sound about right? Three to one. That is, yes, yes. That is absolutely two hundred percent correct. But it's nice. To be on with you this early in the morning, I know I'm like I'm wide awake and ready to go. It's like eight o'clock in in the morning, and normally I'm not a morning person, but just for you, Greg, and our listeners, we rearranged our schedule today. Oh, let's give her a round of applause. Oh, hang on, there it goes. There it goes. Yes, for those who are used no. to CJ at the Country Club hour of you know nine o'clock Central, ten o'clock Eastern time, uh, yeah, we got you up right. in a, we got a couple hours earlier. Do you want to keep this time? I mean, you can. I, I don't mind starting the show with you. It's kind of fun, actually. 
No, it beats talking you know, life off for two hours. I love you, but no, that would be a no. no. That would be a no. No, thank you. Oh, no, thank you. Okay. So yeah. what? Uh, okay, that's fine. But I mean, the option is always open. I'm glad you're here early today. So at least we got you in this week. So, so what makes a morning person? What makes an afternoon? What makes an evening person? How do you know? You know, I mean, and, and is it really important for like your schedule? So if you're a morning person and you work in graveyard, it's going to screw you up. If you're an afternoon person and right. you're working the morning shift, you know, I mean, uh, how do you how do you determine whether you're um, I mean, you, you know, but I mean, with work and things like that, people yeah. are artificially put into schedules. How do you know? And how much does it affect you if well, you're you know, that's morning a, or night? That's a really good question. That's a really good Thank question. You. And it's not something I've ever studied or, or looked, in, looked into, but you're right. That's why I asked it. <laughs> you know yeah, me. yeah. 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 So, you know, it is relevant, especially to those people who work, shift work. You know, you've got the doctors, you've got nurses, you've got, you know, firefighters, you've got, you know, even, you know, other industry jobs where there are factories that are open 24 seven. And mm-hmm. I, your, your body is a creature of habit, fortunately or unfortunately. So mm-hmm. once you set a rhythm and a habit for yourself, your body responds accordingly. I mean, that's just, just the way it is. Like I said, I'm not a sleep study person. I've never done the study, but you know, there are millions of people in this world who their days and nights are opposite because of, what they do and their and their bodies and their rhythm and their sync, you know, does does just sync up to whatever they are used to. Because if you think about it, we've said it takes about ninety days to break a habit. So if you're used to well, that's doing more than a night shift and all of a sudden, I had three weeks. So that's interesting. So ninety days. That's 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 the standard now. It's about ninety days. So that's what I tell my clients because it's okay. easier. Say you go into 60 days, it's so easier to slip back into old habits or old rhythms even after 60 days because if you think about how long you've been doing that shift work or how long you've had that habit for years, mm-hmm. right, right. And, and you're trying right. to, to switch it up. I mean, if you can do it in 60 days, kudos to you, you know, but typically it can be done in 60 days, but the chances of falling back into the old routine or habit are greater, you know, so hmm. what makes a morning person and a night person, I really believe it's whatever you have been conditioned to do, because we've talked about adaptogens on this show, right? Uh, your mm-hmm. adaptogens, natural herbs, things like that will adapt to what your body needs and give you what you what you need. So your body is a creature of habit. So it will adapt, you know. We could take this in a 50 million directions, the, the fight or flight mode. Your body adapts to what you need. So, mm-hmm. you know, for me, you know, because of, I'm going to say we, you know, like you and I and people that do radio, podcast, news broadcasting, you're right. I would say 90% of our energy goes into things that we do prior to being on talk radio or being on a rumble or a clout hub or a visual show in front of the camera, you know, mm-hmm. most of of our energy is spent way before that. So our bodies adapt when we are doing a lot of our um, shows, a lot of our research, a lot of our stuff in the evening. And I'll speak for me, which I've uh-huh. said I'm more of a, a night person. And, right. 
and not not a morning. But again, when I say not a morning person, I probably I, I don't sleep in till ten o'clock. I mean, I try to once a week, but it never never happens. You know, I've got a well, that, that's what Saturdays yeah. and Sundays are for, allegedly. But if you go to church on Sunday, yeah. and I happen to work on yeah. Sundays. That just leaves Saturday, and Saturday, you know, a lot of times uh, I like to go bike riding either morning, afternoon, or whenever. But to, okay. sometimes I'll go early, uh, especially when it's hot and. Uh, yeah. You know, so so I don't I don't get a sleep in day. You know, between uh, I guess uh, June and and September. <laughs> you know, so, yeah. Well, yeah. you know, but I can myself like like I usually am up between seven forty five and eight thirty, something something like that. And okay. that's usually you know, but that doesn't mean I'm coherent. That means I'm downstairs doing my morning routine and all the things. Mm-hmm. And you know, one of the things that we were going to talk about was some things yeah. that you can do morning to kind of jumpstart yourself. Well, that's what I was wondering. And like I say, I, I don't want to do just the standard coffee discussion, but I want to throw my routine out right. um, before we, before we get to that and, and see what makes right. sense. Like I'm a weird person. I am, I'm a morning and a, and a night person, but I'm not an afternoon person. And so afternoons are kind of like when I catch up on whatever sleep I'm supposed to get. So, I mean, I tried setting an alarm. It doesn't work. So I just, sometimes I'll sleep one hour, sometimes three hours in the afternoon. So I'm a big siesta person. So I'm typically up at four o'clock. All right, that's, that's my normal. Uh, the show starts at 7, uh, runs till 10, and then I usually have an hour or two worth of work right after the show. So by noon, I've already worked an eight-hour eight day. Wow. And, and, that's, and, and that's, only, that's only the start of my day. So then I'm like, I'm out for a couple hours, then get up around 3 or 4. Uh, of course, then there's guitar practice and gym or whatever else I have to do, and then work. And so typically I work till 10 or 11 o'clock at night. And so this is kind of a crazy cycle, but that's that's pretty much my normal weekday, you know, from four to eleven. <laughs> that's like uh, twelve. That's eighteen. Nineteen hours <laughs> is my typical day, including a three-hour nap, you know. But I mean, so so I'm working at least sixteen hours a day. I do two basically two eight-hour shifts: one in the morning, four to twelve, and another one from like three right. to eleven. That's my wow. standard day. Yeah. yeah. You only have two days, one day, because. Of how uh-huh. long you are actually, yeah. yeah, yeah. So I'm accomplishing twice as much work, you know, as most normal people, <laughs> which is kind of staggering. But it's, it, that's almost required for what I do with the show because the show also has a citizen right. legislature. So, so for someone like me, I have to be up early. I don't mind being up early, actually. It really isn't a problem. My problem is I'm asleep by like noon. I'm out. I'm done. But I can, but I can also, I can also do a second day, the the an equivalent of a second day's worth of work in the second right. half of the day. But let's talk about, but that's just kind of, I know that's kind of crazy, and I don't expect anybody else to have that schedule. It works for me, but only because I can, I can sleep in the afternoon. Yeah. Morning, What's that? What do you do for your morning routine when you wake up in the morning? Tell me what oh, you do. Uh, breakfast, but breakfast is, is all the good natural foods, you know, fruit, uh, what have I got in there? You know, everything from strawberries, blueberries, you know, dates, bananas, avocados, you know, and then I got my, my herring snacks, yogurt, cheese, you know, all kinds of different things, uh, chocolate and uh, a really big mug of tea. That, that's pretty standard, orange juice, fruit juice, you know, whatever else is going okay. on. So that's breakfast. Uh-huh. Uh, and then um, show show prep, you know, a couple hours of show prep. I'm reading stuff. I'm corresponding on Facebook. Uh, I've got to, a lot of, of what I do is correspondence. So there's a ton of emails and there's a ton of Facebook, uh, as well as prepping for the show. A lot of the show stories are prepped the night before. So I pretty much know what I'm going to do. But I, I, almost, I honestly don't have time to read a lot of the stories until I get to them on the air, which is kind of crazy. But I also like that because now I'm getting it spontaneously. So my reaction is genuine for the stuff I'm reading because I'm doing it right on the air. 
uh, then there's the show, and then there's the after show stuff. I got to write the show notes. I got to do that kind of stuff, and then of course, you know, then the siesta, uh, and then uh, I start uh, prepping for the next day. Um, but I do this. We talked about this before. Boot dump. So after a show, I literally forget everything I just did, everything, and I, I'm trying to do show notes. I'm going, what are I talking about for three hours? I honestly don't know. Because they have this weird ability, and we should talk about this sometime too, to literally flush everything out of my head and start again with a blank slate. But that's how I'm able to do totally different shows uh, every day. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Isn't that weird? <laughs> What's that now? It is. You're able to shut your mind off, which, you know, in some cases that's good, in some cases it's not. But to be able to shut your mind off like that, I mean, uh-huh. that's, that's good. You know, well, it means can I can sleep at night too. Yeah. I can sleep because at night because I just. I just turn everything off and just, you know, I'm out. <laughs> it just goes. That's capability because yeah. most people don't have that capability. I mean, I know I don't. My mind runs a mile a minute, you know. I'm thinking oh, about mine does when I'm awake and I wake up you know? with thoughts. Yeah, but it, but I don't but I don't take them to sleep with me. So I don't know whether that's a, a guy thing, a that's Greg right. thing, uh, uh, a, a genetic thing. I have no idea, but we should talk about that. Anyway, let's get to our – we read this all day. This is so much fun. Um, but but jump-starting your morning. If you're not a morning person, which you're not, how do you jump – how did you jump-start this morning, for example? Well, the first thing I did when I came downstairs was I had – my natural adaptogen juice, which I told you is what I take every morning that has all the ashwagandha, all the herbs, all the things in it, because it will give my body what I need to wake up. And right. so that's the first thing I chugged from the, from the container with a whole bunch of natural adaptogens. Mm-hmm. Um, and then most of the time, and I did not do that this morning because I had to take the puppy out and stuff, but I typically do either warm salt water or warm Soul water, you know, which What's is that? salt water with pink, it's pink, pink Himalayan sea salt in warm right. water. Mm. You know, that's typically, typically what I what I do room temperature, and it's got a yeah. lot of different health health benefits. Um, and actually, it helps a lot with digestion and waking waking up your lymphatic system. It lowers blood pressure, um, all the different things, but also. You can also mm-hmm. do um, lemon water, which lemon water does some of the same things. But when you use, it's called soul water because when you use the pink Himalayan sea salt, mm-hmm. it boosts a lot of minerals, um, but not in high amounts because the, the salt, specifically pink Himalayan, has a lot of great min- minerals and sodium chloride, which helps your fluid balance and blood pressure in your body. You know, so you see a puffiness from sleeping. It's just really good to get the lymphatic system working and the digestive system working in the morning. So typically I do one of those two things. Huh. So those, those the things that I just mentioned are really right. good things to do first thing, like before your coffee, before your green smoothie, before your food, you know, to when you start your digestion and things like that. So that that is what I do every day, regardless of what time I get up, I do at least one or two of those things. Okay. And then also, I'm a very weird person. I like to drink. That's why you're by on the, the show, bottle. by the way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I take up the um, Bragg's apple cider vinegar, and uh-huh. I just take a swig of the vinegar. Just I don't really? even measure it. I just take it up. Take a so, gulp. So wait a minute. Like 
<laughs> Hold on a second. This is yeah. kind of funny. So you drink salt water. You drink vinegar. You're in- you drink lemon water. You're interesting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's like piss and vinegar, right? <laughs> I'm like, I'm thinking to myself, yeah, exactly, yeah. I'm thinking, okay, so where's the flavor? Where's where's the where's the good stuff? Because I'm like eating avocados and bananas and dates and you know and, well, and dark chocolate, and, guess, <laughs> you yeah. know, and salmon well, and not, you know, yeah. egg, yeah. <laughs> yogurt and all this other good stuff. I'm like, and then have well, big that's cheese. not the first thing I put into my body, you know. Oh, okay. So yeah, I don't. I I wait a little while for for all all of that. You see, I haven't eaten since yes. noon the previous day. So by the time I get to food, I've already been fasting for 16 hours. That's amazing. So when do you last stop, um, like, food consumption? What is your, what do you, like, yeah, and what do you put? Noon. You know, we talked about breakfast. Uh-huh. Noon? But I do, okay. I, 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 I do have a, a weak spot around five. I get really hungry, so I'll have like a cup of tea. So it's fluids only at that point. And I find that's the, just enough so that I don't starve myself and get ravenously hungry and, and start eating. Um, but uh, just a little bit of fluid, like a cup of tea, you know, maybe a little fruit juice or something like that, um, you know, and, and that sort of carries me through. But the next, by the next, I'm water, a lot of water. <laughs> you know? But by the next day, you know, I, I wake up hungry. Like, you know, so I'm, I'm not going to wait around for, for lemon water and Himalayan pink sea salt, <laughs> swings of vinegar, and all these things that you do. I don't have, I don't have the patience, and, and my stomach wouldn't let me, quite frankly. This is fascinating. Wow. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Wow. So you, so you get up around 4 or 5, right? No, no, 4. Maybe 4.30, the latest. Yeah, I'm up, yeah, I'm up early. Okay. Uh-huh. Okay. I have to. And then yeah. your last? Your last solid feed consumption is at 12 noon. If, well, I mean, obviously there are times when I deviate from my plan, but for the most part, yeah. Right. Right. Okay. No, I mean, mm-hmm. that's very interesting. That's very mm-hmm. interesting. So your last food consumption is at 12 noon. Mm-hmm. And then Except for fluids. You go fluids, fluids and, and uh, go yeah. back to sleep at mm-hmm. what time? What time then do you go back to sleep? I don't know. Clock? What? Uh, no, no, like afternoon siesta. Don't forget that. And that can be any time. So yeah. there's like a, a, a like a let's just say on average of a two hour uh, block where I'm just out in the afternoon out cold. I mean I don't know exactly when it depends anywhere from twelve to three, depending. So I'm out cold. So I do a siesta and then I wake up again and work another eight hour day basically. But then how? What time do you go to bed in the evening? Ten or eleven. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. All right. I'm just. And my body's used to that. So my body. So my body's yeah. used to five hours sleep at night. And anywhere from one to three hours sleep in the afternoon. Okay. No, I was just yeah. kind of trying to make a point of creatures uh-huh. of habit in your body. Yeah. Because right. I've tried to break people... it. I've tried to break it and just sleep at night. It doesn't work. I don't know why. It just doesn't. Uh, right. If I try and stay awake, I just get groggy. <laughs> you know, and, and I'm going to sleep tired um, anyway, like eight or nine. It's crazy. And I don't sleep that well. Right. But if I do this plan... And, and, and you won't find it on any health chart, um, but it works for me. I mean, intermittent fasting is pretty common. Eight on, 16 oh, off yeah. is pretty common. But the siesta in the middle, I don't know if it's that common, but it is for me. And then after I, you know, after I have my big meals, between, you know, one at four and one at like 10 when the show's over, um, I'm going to, I want to sleep anyway. <laughs> so I, I've got the post adrenaline, you know, let down from the show being over and I've had a big meal. So it's like natural to just fall asleep. I would anyway. If I was on a job somewhere, that's the first thing I'd do. In an office, I'd, I'd put my head down the desk and go right to sleep. So I don't like office jobs because in the afternoon, I'm useless. After lunch, for at least two or three hours, I'm useless. Well, wow. Yeah. Well, that, that's my point. Your body adapts. 
Mm-hmm. No, but it always did that, though. That's the weird part. I've always been on that schedule, even in college. Up early in the morning and up late at night. And, it, and I, I, it's like I've always done this. So, so what, uh, let's get back to jumpstarting our, our, our day. Because when people think of jumpstarting, all they think about is coffee, caffeine, a stimulant. Yeah. But, but that's not that's necessarily right. the best thing. And then you, if you want to tell me more about my, my personal, you know, uh, weird habit, <laughs> you know, my daily day or my daily thing, which is kind of unusual. And does anybody else do that? Work eight, sleep three, work eight. <laughs> it's, it's kind of weird, but, you know, I don't know. works for me. I like the sound of it. Personally, I like the sound of it. But with, with being a full-time mama and having, you know, puppies, I don't, I don't, I don't know that that would, that would work for me. But I, it sounds like a great idea. <laughs> Well, and quite honestly, you know, I've raised my kid. I don't have pets. So, and, uh, you know, I don't have crazy exes knocking my door down and, uh, you know, I'm single. So, I mean, there's not a lot. I mean, I purposely set myself up so I do have that much time to to do my work. And I love my work. So, you know, it's not a problem. But, you know, eight on, three off, eight on, I don't know if anybody's ever done that kind of schedule other than me because I don't really talk about it that much. Yeah. Maybe just workers. You know, but I don't know if there's just 12 hours, 10 hours, you know, I don't know. Well, let's talk about 12-hour shifts because, well, I, and I know I was a big advocate for a long time of, of the 10-hour day. Uh, and so some 20 years ago, I started working 10-hour days uh, as often as I could. Some jobs you can't, but uh, for the most part, I, you know, I would just make a deal with the boss. I said, look, let me do four tens, you know, or even three twelves. It still amounts to about the same thing. But if you work four tens, you get three days off. The difference between three days off and two days off is monumental. It really is. Wow. It's and, it, okay. and people are so much. In fact, they're finding that in Europe. In fact, Marco, Marco's listening in the Netherlands. He can probably talk about this. But there are studies all over Europe right now that the four-day work week is far more productive because you know you're already at work. So the difference between you know working you know a couple extra hours uh, and working a full extra day uh, is huge. Also, you actually you know even though you're working the same amount of hours on the job you don't have that 2 hours in the morning to wake up and get going you don't have that 2 hours in the evening of decompression so you, if you take your friday off that's one day you don't have to get up cuz if you're working an 8 hour day especially if you work at an office it's not an 8 hour day it's a 12 hour day right. so you got a couple hours in the morning you got commute you know you've got to, you got to get home you commute you got dinner and by the time you've had dinner and after your your 12 hours you're already tired and you got to get up and do it all again. There's not really a break in there. But if you do a four-day work week, you know, your 10 hours yeah. might, be, might be 12 hours, but it's only four days. So you're already sleeping in Friday, which means Friday you're, you're relaxing. So your Friday becomes, is, is your normal Saturday. Then you have Saturday, which would be Sunday, but then you get an extra day. And all of a sudden it's like, whoa, by the time the third day comes around, you're completely unwound. And by Monday, again, it's not such a big deal. So have you studied four-day work weeks? I have not. Hmm. I have personally, just because, and I've read about them. Yeah, it, all the studies are coming out uh, that it's 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 uh, the the companies get for done. Companies are stupid because they like uh, rules and regimentation. They want control of your time, and they can control you more if you're there five days than if you're there four days. Whereas all they have to do is take two employees, you know, have one work Monday to Thursday and the other work Tuesday to Friday, and everything's covered. Yeah. Well, if you think about it, you know, it, it makes sense from a productivity standpoint, you uh-huh. know, and mental capacity because mm-hmm. people's brains get overloaded so quickly and over stimulus and you know and again this I haven't researched brain activity or things of that nature but it makes sense to have a four-day mm-hmm. work with I know people who have mm-hmm. mentioned that stay-at-home mom you mm-hmm. know just 
stuff that they do at, at, at home, they're much more productive, say, for the first four days of the week. And then mm-hmm. after that, you know, people in general just start to flat. You know, that's why, you know, they call it Wednesday hump day, you know, and thank God it's Thank God it's Friday. Friday, exactly. Casual Friday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's really interesting. You know what else is interesting, too? Uh, Some people have done this, and I've done this myself, too. Uh, Take Wednesday off. So you work Monday, Tuesday. Then you get a break in the middle of the week to do all the things that are open during the week that you normally can't do because you're working. That's a great day for kid things, great day for appointments, for medical stuff, all the things you might want to do. So if you're especially a single person with a family, with kids, if you take Wednesday off, you can schedule all your appointments, all the things you have to do. You don't have any stress for work because you aren't there. You don't have to take time off work. You get Wednesdays off. And then you work right. Thursday, Friday, and you still get your weekend. Right. So there's another option, too. So you've got Monday, Thursday. You've got Tuesday, Friday. And you've got uh, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday. And, and the, the, the work gets covered five days a week at, at whatever job it is. Right. Yeah. Agreed. In, interesting, huh? Yep. Yep. And I think it's, I think it's great. Okay. Um, you know what? I might even implement here that here at my home. Well, that flipped my daughter out. <laughs> yeah, try it. Mom's how would you do? How would yeah. you do it in your house? What's because uh, you because you work uh, you work from home? I assume I, I haven't really talked about yeah. this too much. So you, you don't have quote yeah. a job outside the home because they never say it with guys. You know, they don't say men. Excuse me, sir. Do you do you work outside the home? <laughs> it's always women. Right. You know, so that's that stereotype is still there. So tell me, CJ, do you work outside the home? <laughs> Yeah, no, no, I don't. I don't. Okay. I'm very blessed to be able to do everything that I do here, mm-hmm. here at here at here at home. And I think it'll be really cool to tell my daughter, hey, mom's only on on duty, you know, sun, sun, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. After that, you're on your own. No, <laughs> it's actually not a bad idea, especially if she's getting older. You know, and you may not want to mention her your age on the, on the air, but I'm just saying that, uh, you know, especially teenagers or, or folks that are approaching 18 or things like that, the more independence they have, you know, by the time I got to college, I mean, I, I had a, a home to go to in the summertime, but I was completely on my own, did all my own laundry, my own cooking, you know, I had the car, I worked, you know, I was leading a completely independent life. I just happened, you know, my body was there at home, but uh, as far as responsibility, I was on my own. So, right. uh, and that was good. It was good training, good practice. So by the time I graduated college, I was perfectly able to take care of myself because I'd already done it for, you know, four summers. Right. That makes, hmm. yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. But no, you know, um, a jump start in, in the morning, you know, I, I, I've had this conversation with people and you ask me what I do. Those are the two things as far as my physical body, you know, and then when I get up in the morning, no matter what time it is, and I did it this morning, mm-hmm. I will splash my face with ice cold water, like ice cold water. Because that wakes up hmm. all the nerves in your face, all your senses. It's it's really good. And then I come down and I keep a mineral spray. Just a, it has pink Himalayan sea salt. It has all kinds of great oils and everything in it. And I keep it in the refrigerator. And I spray my face in the morning um, to, to really wake up my cells and the hydration externally to go in, into my cells. So I do that every day, hmm. everything first thing, first thing in the morning. And then to wake wow. up, I, I don't know that this is specifically on the topic of what we have, but as far as my r- routine, like when I get up, I do that in the bathroom, and then I do tongue scraping in the morning. Before I even take a sip of water or take my lemon water or my pink Okay, now you're getting weird. This, this is getting weird. Tongue yeah. scraping? Tongue scraping. So you, it's 
you can get it anywhere. I use metal. I use copper. The copper, copper is a metal metal to use. It's a copper, copper scraper, and it's in shape of a U, like umbrella. And if you think about it, when you're sleeping, you have all these germs and all this stuff going on in, in your mouth. And so some people, you have tons of bacteria on your tongue and in your mouth, right? Right. So mm-hmm. what I do when I get up before I splash my face with cold, cold water in the bathroom is I have a special mouthwash that I use and or I just gargle with peroxide, spit it out, and then I take this copper tongue scraper and I scrape all the bacteria and the bad cells off of my tongue before I take a water, my lemon water, my pink Himalayan sea salt water, and drink it. Because if you don't scrape off the bacteria that is on your tongue, you are swallowing all that bad bacteria and germs that have accumulated over the evening. Wait, wait, mouth. haven't we adapted to that? Uh, this is such a natural thing. I mean, you know, we all do. We all have this. We all have bacteria. There's good bacteria. There's bad bacteria. It doesn't make sense that, Correct. you know, from an evolutionary standpoint, we would uh, have something that occurs naturally to us that we haven't adapted to at some point. Otherwise, we'd all be dead, you know, from bacteria poisoning. So how is that, how, why is this necessary uh, especially metal. I don't, I've heard metal's not necessarily the best thing. But I was thinking something interesting that metal, if you put honey on, on a metal spoon, uh, it destroys a lot of the enzymes. And I had never heard that before. But that's interesting. Yeah, but this is copper. So there's copper. There's Copper's okay. Okay. So, well, copper's a good metal. It's very conductive. It, you know, it's interesting. All right. And you need copper in your system. You don't, right. Oh, because you're right. You're right. There is good bacteria and there is bad bacteria. So if you've had germs and bacteria accumulate in your mouth overnight, why do you want to swallow that back down into your system? You know, and that's a whole other topic for research that we can do a, a, a you know a show on. Seriously, I mean that makes <laughs> a really big difference. A lot of people's health. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry to laugh. I'm just thinking of all the people out there that have not only their own bacteria but the, their partners as well. <laughs> what, is, right. what is that? What well, does that's, that say about the next morning? Okay, I'm right. just, just or some curious. Or wake, wake up with, you know, bad breath in the morning, right? There's a reason for that. And a lot of it, you know, stems from the gut and ketosis and all those things. But, but you know, we're going down another rabbit trail. But you asked, you oh. know, what are some of the things I do that's, that, first thing that's in all the we morning? Do. Yeah. Well, what I was really curious about is 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 not only what you do, but what uh, what what America and the world does in general. And the number one thing that we all hear about is I have to have my cup of coffee. I need my cup of coffee. I can't function. My brain doesn't work until I've had a cup of coffee. And yet, we don't. Kids don't drink coffee until they're I don't know teenagers or whatever age or something like that. How do they get going? They go to school early. So. What is this thing about coffee? Is it necessary? Is it essential? Is it habit? Is it something cultural? Is it something that, um, that actually works? I've, I've heard it's the warmth of the drink. It doesn't matter that it has caffeine. You know, I mean, you can do just as well with hot chocolate, you know. Uh, but does the, what, what is our whole coffee psychology, and how does that fit in nutritionally? Well, I'm curious. <laughs> I know, big question. Take so, your time. Take your time with the many aspects yeah, of the question I just asked you. Question. Yeah, of it's course it is. Question. Yeah, well, I'm curious. I'm going to go back to the statement we said at the beginning of the 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 show is we're creatures of habit, and we've been conditioned to think that Mm -hmm. we need caffeine in the morning. I mean, you go, you talk, you think about people who have quote unquote migraines, right? And they'll and they'll say that the caffeine gets rid of their their migraines. And now I'm not saying that is or isn't. 
Yeah. Yeah. Huh. So I, I could scroll all over the place. So I am a coffee drinker, but I don't come down and make coffee. There's like 15 other steps I do before I drink coffee. And I don't drink commercial caffeine. I only drink the good coffee that doesn't have all the, the, the tannins, all the things in it, and it has caffeine that comes from green tea. I don't do commercial caffeine, which robs the body of it's full of acid and it destroys the body, right? So I don't do coffee that has acid in it. But as huh. far as coffee in the morning, we're creatures of habit. We've been conditioned by what we have seen growing up that that is what we need to start our morning, 90% of America. That mm-hmm. is, it, it's a conditional thing. There are good benefits to the right type of caffeine, but to throw that in your body first thing in the morning, especially when most people don't do a good, clean coffee, they're doing a Maxwell House or a Folgers or a <laughs> Starbucks or, or whatever, which is really, really bad for your body, and it's chock full of acidity, you know, very high acid, um, huh. and the commercial caffeine, which is not good for your body at all. So, and it has a lot of mold and things like that in it. So most people are not drinking clean coffee. They don't even know what clean coffee is, and they're not, huh. they're used to having the coffee pot on before they even come down the stairs. Yeah, sometimes it's automatic. You know, you got your Mr. Coffee, you know, Joe DiMaggio. You know, uh, it's like, oh, I got Mr. Coffee. Yes, come on down, and there's your cup waiting for you. I mean, it's so cultural, all the ads. You know, you can practically smell the coffee when they show you a coffee ad, right? It's like, oh, yeah, I got my coffee. You know, it's the aroma. And and I'm sure they add extra aroma to the beans, you know. And then you got your French roast. And me, I've even got a, a a French press. I don't use it because it takes too much time. I've got to get back into it. But, yeah, it's fun to roast your own beans. Well, not roast, but uh, grind your beans and throw them in a cup and throw in the boiling water and do the French press thing. And, uh, yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah, so, so you know, but the, point, the point is that I think, I mean, coffee is fine. I drink, like I said, I drink coffee, but it's a, it's, it should not be the first thing that hits your tongue when you wake up in the morning. You know, and, and again, most people, number one, don't know that. Most people, number two, have been conditioned mm-hmm. that that's what they need to have first thing in the morning. When really, if they took those 90 days to create a new habit and mm-hmm. get some of the things that benefit their health first and waited an hour to have that coffee in the morning, there would be better health benefits to that. And by switching to a coffee that doesn't have mold, doesn't have um, the full acid profile, and that doesn't have commercial caffeine in it, you know, they would see and do feel they, a dramatic difference. Do they add caffeine to commercial coffee? Well, yeah. Okay. I mean, I don't know. That's what I'm asking. Yeah. Right, because when you think about green tea, right, green tea is natural. So green tea caffeine is okay to have. Right. It's, it's, it's natural, right? So mm-hmm. that's why drink the coffee that's got the green tea caffeine in it has, has been tested for mold and all of the pesticides and has a very low acid profile of, of seven to where I'm not pouring a cup of acid in my body first thing in the morning because that's mm-hmm. really what some doing. First thing so, in the morning, if, if 
so I'm just trying to think. So, so basically, no, is it the coffee bean or the process that they do to it? So, uh, you know, when Juan Valdez used to pick, you know, Colombian coffee, fine Colombian coffee from the mountains, you know, mountain grown Folgers. Of course, every coffee is mountain grown. That's, that's where they grow the beans, you know, but the bean it's itself, the, co- the, the coffee bean itself, is it naturally acidic? Does it naturally have a, uh, obviously it has caffeine in it, but are, are they, what are they doing to the coffee bean once it, once it's produced or how are they messing it up? How does it get mold? I guess especially when you boil it. it how how, how it's ahead. grown, a lot of coffee beans that have been contaminated because of the picking process and because oh. of the process that put through. So, you know, the ones that I have researched, that I have only two in my home. They've never been touched by human hands, you know. And so the, I, I'm very cautious about the process of how they pick the beans, how they process the coffee. You know, where does the caffeine come from? Testing for acid and mold. Um, and there are two brands that, you know, I recommend all the time to my clients. I, does everybody care about that? No. Some people can't. Say I don't give a rat's rear end. I just want to go buy cheap Folgers or whatever. Okay, right. fine. Just know yeah. you're, you're pouring a glass of acid into your body first thing in the morning. I mean, just huh. think about if you close your eyes and you think about like what I just said. There's right. so many visuals that come into your, you know, your head by saying, okay, I'm just going to pour a cup of acid into my body first thing in the morning. Really? Yeah. I mean, that's not even a good visual. You know. So, um, no, I'm just thinking about so that, too. So what would happen if, if uh, America collectively stopped drinking coffee for, like, 90 days? You know, let's do a habit. Um, how would our bodies change? What would happen? Would we oh, be able I to wake up at all? <laughs> oh, well, yeah. I mean, yeah, of course. Again, it's establishing new habits, you know, and you're going to have a healthier internal environment because you're not pouring that acid in your body anymore again unless you are choosing the right kind of coffee you know it's almost Mm -hmm. like choosing the right kind of orange you know an orange is an orange is an orange not ones that have been genetically you know modified and you know these crossovers and so i think if people stopped drinking commercial coffee people's acidity and in their body would go down people would feel a whole lot better would it take some time yes yes because people are so conditioned mentally to think i can't function until i have that caffeine well if your caffeine was taken away from you and you had to function you would feel different after doing that for 90 days guaranteed huh you know, it might suck and you might bitch and moan the first two weeks, <laughs> but, you know, but well, that's it, one of the it, reasons it'll be switch. all right. Yeah, that's one of the reasons I switched from coffee to tea. Uh, I actually had headaches for about three weeks. You know, when I got off coffee, I was drinking too much. Big mug of coffee in the morning. Uh, tasted great. Loved it. You know, felt fine. Would, you know, was awake and stuff. But I was just as awake with the tea. So it wasn't the, it wasn't the right. coffee that was waking me up. But the caffeine, because tea has a lot less uh, caffeine than coffee. Huge amount less. So I, I didn't do it for, for the wake-up. Actually, for me, it's the warmth. It's, it's, a, it's a hot drink in the morning that gets me going as opposed to a caffeine drink. So I'm wondering how much of caffeine is psychological and how much is actually physical? A lot. Okay. Mm-hmm. So if you, gave yeah. people, if you, if you blindfolded people, gave them a cup of hot water flavored with coffee that had no caffeine in it, 
would they be just as active because psychologically they think they're getting coffee? Yeah, it's that placebo effect, right? But there's a big mm-hmm. industry, and, and, and I heard caffeine, I forgot whether it has, uh, very, well, does caffeine have any health benefits? I think it has some. Yeah, it does. Okay. Mm-hmm. So what's, what's good about it? it? Depends. Excuse me. It depends on what type of caffeine. You know, in my opinion, commercial caffeine has no benefits. <laughs> but, okay. you know, right. it, it's got to be like your green tea caffeine, right? We, we mm-hmm. keep, I keep going back to that because um, that's the... That's the one that is used the most in the wellness industry is green right. tea. You know, um, so it's the way in, the source of where it comes from. Mm-hmm. You know, because most commercial caffeine, right? You can get the bitters, you can get this, you can get that. So. Well, that's why I gave it up. That's why I stopped drinking a huge mug of coffee, which is equivalent to probably like two or three cups you know, before work. Mm-hmm. And, but it did, but it took about three weeks of headaches, you know, and then I started feeling like my normal self again. It's like, oh, yeah. but, uh, you know, it was pain. I mean, that, that, that's a withdrawal. And of course, people aren't willing to go through that. It's like part where diets don't mm-hmm. work. You know, if it takes 90 days to establish a new habit and people give a diet 30 days, you know, because they want results right away because we're Americans, we want results. Well, that's, you, you know, you're only a third of the way into your, your habit change. So no wonder it's not going to work. Right. Hmm. Right. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying. It's like a lot of people will say when they have a migraine, oh, I need caffeine. Right? What's the connection? I mean, What's the connection to migraines and caffeine? So, well, I hate using the word, but think about the oxymoron statement of this. You okay. have caffeine, again, and I go back to the whole source thing. Which that's causes important. headaches. <laughs> yeah, which is, yeah, yeah. Or withdrawal from it say, causes headaches. Yeah, okay. Right. You can't just say caffeine. Caffeine is such a broad term because it's the sourcing. We go back to the sourcing for everything. So if you have a migraine, I'm not saying the caffeine doesn't help. It does. Okay. And it does because of the way it's been processed. And also, I believe it's a lot of the mental state of it. People have been conditioned. So if they have that caffeine and they're drinking it, oh, the migraine is going to go away. Now, are there... Are there physical and real links to caffeine and different um, positives and negatives? Yes. But I believe, when, I believe when we're talking about the positives, that the positives are only related to clean sources. When you're talking about, you know, commercial, I don't believe that there is any benefit to commercial caffeine. When you go to green tea caffeine, mm-hmm. you're talking about there's different components in there of how they affect, you know, the, the brain and the brain chemistry and the photochemicals and the neurons in your brain. And it's very, very good. You know, it can help with stress. It can help with fatigue. It can help with arthritis. It can right. help with all, all the different things because green tea has only small amounts of caffeine. So probably between 20 to 29 milligrams, you know, where black tea is around 47 but the teas are much cleaner, and the sources, if you're getting a clean source, uh-huh. are much better than the commercialized caffeine that you may have 95 milligrams to 120 milligrams per cup. That's a coffee right? cup, right, as opposed to a tea cup? 
So coffee's Pardon like me? up with 100, 100, 100 coffee's like 100, 140, yeah. or are you talking about black tea is up 100, 140? No, I'm talking about uh, coffee. Okay. Black I'll make that clear. Black tea, black, black, your black tea, what I said, has, runs normally around 40 to 47 milligrams. Okay, so it's 20, so green tea is about half, uh, 20 something. Black tea, 40 something, but coffee's like 100 to 140 milligrams. That's a huge jump. Yeah. Yeah, and a lot of people, right. like I said, are, are very um, – um, I lost my train of start. thought, what was I going to say? Uh, like, well, okay, so caffeine so tolerant like or – yeah. right, go ahead. So like the, mm. ca- the coffees that I use, because it comes from green tea, the caffeine level is low, but it's got right. caffeine because I get jitters and heart palpitations from – I think I mentioned this. I found this out the hard way. When I drank mm. some, I was at a wedding reception and I drank a cup of coffee. And it was probably some Folgers or some other crap. And I didn't know it was <laughs> caffeinated. I said, make sure this is decaf. And this was, this was probably 13 years ago before I know what I know now. Right. And People I literally don't care. They just give you whatever. Rushed. Yeah. Yeah. And I literally almost had to be rushed to the hospital. I mean, wow. it was like, it was so bad, so bad. And then I found out that's what it was. And so commercial cast caffeine because of my personal experience scares me so if on the rare occasion because i'm not perfect and i don't like to support these woke companies but if i'm if i'm traveling and on the road and Mm -hmm. i don't have my coffee and i want a coffee now not need i want a coffee Mm -hmm. right right i will go to either a starbucks or a dunkin donut only when i'm traveling and i will get a decaffeinated iced coffee and sometimes I'll drink half of it. Sometimes I'll take 10 sips and throw it away because I, it's the mental thing of I want coffee and I'm traveling, even though it's <laughs> decaf. And it tastes disgusting because I, I'm so used to the good coffee that has, like mine has coconut oil and all and different things in it. You know, well, is and it I good decaf? Is it good decaf huh? or no? Is it good decaf coffee or no? Or just, or just the process of decafing, taking out the caffeine? Found, Does that screw it up? Found, I have found two two good decaffeinated coffees, and okay. um, Bulletproof is one of the brands that I'm not associated with that I have bought off the counter grocery store shelf, you know, at different places uh-huh. that carry a bullet. And that is a pretty good clean coffee, but I only buy their decaf um, just because I'm not one to take a risk of trying other ones that might give me heart issues or whatever. Mm. I stick to what I know is good for me. Um, so yeah, I think a lot of it is what we're conditioned to do, you know, circling back to our morning routine, right? We we can condition ourselves. That's why when I was like, I can't do a 10 o'clock show because I've asked to have to leave here right at nine. My daughter has a, um, we're going to a holistic dentist today. We are both getting established at a holistic holistic dentist practice today. So I'm very excited about, about that. We are leaving our dentist. I don't know anything about holistic dentistry, but I want to talk about that just for a minute. But before we get there, Marco had a comment. Uh, he, he says, I sometimes drink 20 cups of coffee a day. Never had a headache in my life. No, you only get the headache when you stop drinking 20 cups of coffee a day. Um, but 20 right. cups of coffee a day, would you consider that a lot? Because you have to see how big the cups are, maybe like little European demi tasses. But even 20, 20 cups of, sounds, sounds like a lot of coffee. It does. It does. Yeah. I wouldn't consider that to be a very healthy routine. But, okay. And again, what kind of coffee are you drinking? I mean, that's just not 
that's yeah. I'd like to I'd like for that person to uh send me an email with all the health benefits and what type of coffee that is. Okay. Well uh uh <laughs> he's his I C T employee, so I guess he's a he's a, he's an IT guy. He's he's a he's a computer tech guy. Well if you want to give your email, he's listening right now, so uh, you guys can uh go back and forth. Yeah, my um so my business email is H two O like water. Um, but H2O Wellness Network at gmail.com. H2O Wellness Network at gmail.com. And, you know, that's a perfect example as an IT guy. Like, there are a lot of people that say, I need this, I need this, I need this to stay awake. Do you really? Like, there are so many alternatives that are more beneficial pro health versus robbing your health that you can actually do, you know, if you feel like you need that boost. But, for a person that is willing to do a trial and error sort of thing, I would I would bet, and I'm not a betting person, but I would bet if an individual puts certain practices into place, uh-huh. that that 90-day time period, you wouldn't feel like you needed 20 cups of coffee. You know what I mean? By implementing other, other things. Not just a way, right. but going to a this, not that. Or making some modifications and, and certain certain things. So, but huh. what, what do I know? <laughs> well, no, I mean, I mean, this is all because everybody's different. Everybody's body chemistry is different. Right. Um, so if so, in in our last like twelve minutes here, so if not coffee, what foods or drinks can you use to to give yourself a little pickup, as they say, a little jump start? Uh, some that you can go over ones that are healthy and ones that are not healthy. I'm just curious. What, what do people do? Sugar, for example. A lot of people have coffee and donuts. Oh my God, <laughs> double whammy. Uh, yeah, I know. Uh, so let's talk about it. You know, uh, people do it. So let's talk about it. Uh, you know, especially if you're on the road, friends. truckers, truckers. You know, the proverbial police donut and coffee in the morning. You know, and uh, right? uh, is there a worse combination? Because <laughs> you, know, you got the stimulant what? from coffee and you've got the sugar from donut. Uh, plus the, 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 the fat and the lard and everything else is in the donut. I love donuts, personally. I just don't eat them anymore, you know, for obvious reasons. Yeah. Uh, at least not until I'm thin. <laughs> but uh, how do, how's, the, how's that combo? And then let's get a healthy combo. Well, okay, of the, go ahead. We go back, mm-hmm. Yeah, we go back to the habits, right? You know, okay. I have two friends that are truckers up in Pennsylvania, and I've had mm-hmm. these conversations with them, and I've helped them use other things. You hmm. know, I mean, what that's an things? excuse. You're on the road. You want something in a box. You want something this. You can just pop it in your mouth. Well, you can also make a protein shake. You can also okay. take some, you know, powder up with some water that has good stuff that actually hasn't been processed, that's been cold processed, that will come alive, eating live food. You know, you don't have to use being on the road as an excuse. You know, first thing in the morning, people, after going through the routine that I suggested or that I have said that I utilize by waking mm-hmm. your body and your system up. Your body has to be woken up and ready to do the job that it needs to do, right? Rather than being shocked, is you should be consuming fruit, some sort of fruit first thing in the morning. Something that's okay. fresh, something that is cold, something that's going to wake your body up. That's that's really what you should be con- consuming, you know, and then right after that, a couple hours after that, it should be a protein source. Again, whether it's a really clean protein shake, whether you're doing chicken, fish, tuna, you know, whether you're doing a clean cheese, you, you should be having protein second. 
So, well, you don't have to have a shake. Those, you could be eating chicken, fish, you know, uh, protein, eggs, <laughs> you know, all those kind of things. You don't right. have to have a shake for it. You just make them, yeah. Um, yeah. Do, I don't yeah. think they have them out here. I, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was just naming some different things, but as far as waking your body up, the mm-hmm. first food that you should put in your body, as far as from a digestion standpoint, should be fruit. Why is that? Because it's containing all the cold, the nutrients, the vitamins, the stuff that's actually going to wake your senses and your system up much better than throwing in a protein or a carb first. Okay. So when we wake up, you really do have to wake your body up. I mean, uh, you know, like, I mean, what do animals do out there when they wake up in the woods, you know, especially after a cold night, you know, and then the, and the cougar wakes up and, you know, climbs up from under wherever, or climbs, climbs down from the tree and does a big stretch and, or a big, you know, Florida panther. I mean, how do they, how do they wake up? And then, so they're looking for, for they breakfast have, to walk. Have... Yeah. <laughs> I don't want my answer. <laughs> now I do want your answer. Come on. I said, well, no, they, they probably have sex in the morning, you know? Well, that's, well, that's a great answer. Well, you know, now that you mention it. But, you is, know, that wouldn't be on my Wait, wait a minute. So. No, no, no. I, I can't let you go. I can't let you go. You, you, you opened the door. So let's, let's, let's explore this. Sex in the morning. This sounds like my Monday chat with Dorothy Diana. So sex in the morning. Is sex better than coffee? I mean, is this a – you want to talk about jump-starting your body, so to speak. <laughs> um, how, how big an effect Ready? is that? Yeah, even if well, you have bacteria in your mouth. Okay, before you put the copper yeah. spoon in there. Yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, I would, I would suggest cleaning the bacteria off your tongue first. And then having sex? That's, yes. Okay, yes. just checking. <laughs> yes, yes. And, and to answer your question, from, from, from what I remember, it's a great way to start the morning. From what I remember, oh please, <laughs> we, we got we do something to change that, darling. We we, we got to yeah for for nutritional benefits and for your health. You know you need to you need to start having lots of sex in the morning. Okay, we're gonna start working on that. <laughs> you did put your email out there, right? I'm just teasing you. <laughs> right. I'm in a silly I'm in a silly mood today. But think about that. Okay, so now here's the, which which leads to another question. So if you're having you know wild lovemaking in the morning, you've already jump started your body. Do you need coffee at that point? Would that be like overstimulation? I'm just thinking. What do you think? Yeah. Personally, I, I no no I, no. Lie to me. Make up from somebody else. No, of course, personally. <laughs> well, doesn't have, doesn't have to be personally. But in general, for people, we we always speak in in uh, you know in issues and not personalities. Although we do give a lot of personal information on the show, probably too much. But in general, people, you know, couples, if they're uh, you know having great sex in the morning. You know, I can see coffee on a weekend because, you know, you know, and then probably go back and have more great sex. Yeah. Right. Right. No, I would think, I would think the answer would be no. So Marco says, (laughs) Marco is from the Netherlands. He says, when in doubt, combine. So Marco believes in both sex and coffee. When in doubt, combine. Okay. So so Marco, if you have 20 cups of coffee, how much sex do you, don't answer that question. Don't even answer that one. I'm sorry. (laughs) I shouldn't, I shouldn't ask personal questions on the show. Oh Um, my gosh. But come on, this is, we're That's almost a, you know, we've already passed hump day, so to speak anyway. So, but, uh, but this is a, you know, but in other words, well, you know, cause exercise, well, you think about it, exercise and nutrition, what is sex if not exercise, right? And nutrition, right. you know, they com- they combine. I don't think we talk enough about, we should do a show on sex exercise. How much sex exercise sex- do you need? Sex exercise. Oh, I, just was- made up a, I made up a new word. Do it for next week. Sex exercise. 
Sexercise yeah. is the process of, of combining sex with exercise. We're going to call it sexercise. Oh, Marco's single too. Yeah. So anybody that wants anybody that wants to reach Marco in the Netherlands, you know, hop on our live chat when we're when we're live, and you guys can talk directly. So, uh, you know, emails, whatever. But uh, if you get too crude, I'm just going to, you know, I, I've got I got the trash bucket. But uh, yeah, so, so 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 welcome to Action Radio International Dating Service. <laughs> <laughs> right. Hey, listen, uh, it's my show. Is- Anything goes. I, d- I don't have a filter. I don't have limits. As long as we're, we're having fun and, and no one's getting hurt, then anything goes on this show. But, uh, but think about it, though. So, so here's a question for my, my wellness expert. Should you have sex and coffee or then coffee and sex? I don't have an answer to that. You've probably never thought about it. Neither have I until literally this instant. But let's go through it. Well, which, which would be better, do you think? I'm all about the sex first. I'll, I'll, I'll give up the coffee. Sex first? Okay, sex first, then coffee. Sex. So would coffee be relaxing? Because at that point, you know, if you've already – so after you've already – so here's the question. After you've stimulated your body with wild sex, does coffee have that much effect on you? Or would the endorphins – Now, I'd probably forego the coffee, and I'd just go for a mimosa and a cigarette. So what does a cigarette do? Is that a stimulant too? I'm just being, I'm just being silly. I'm just being. <laughs> oh, okay. See, and we see it in the movies all the time. You know, which which reminds yeah. me, uh, if I can tell a terrible joke on the air here, uh, the the old joke goes, you know, do you smoke after sex? And, and of course, the answer is, I don't know. I've never looked. Doctor Arnold said people who smoke and the and the whole nicotine thing. You know, we uh-huh. got the whole nicotine going on. You know, so you know what I'm saying. Well, here's the problem, though. You know, as a flight instructor, we taught that nicotine uh, and cigarettes reduce your oxygen capacity. That's why uh, p- that's why pilots who smoke have have lower night vision because they don't have the oxygen capacity. So, wouldn't that lower your your sex capacity too if you smoke? Good. I don't know. I mean, I'm not a study of of smoke, and I've you know I I, I no I don't study know. of sex either apparently, but we'll work on that. <laughs> Sorry. Right. I know. I need a, I need a refresher course. <laughs> Okay. Well, you know, well, well, you, you've already put yourself out to the vast uh, action radio audience, so you never know. We we're on over twenty ah! podcasts, and we're worldwide. So, CJ, you started it. Too. Good luck. Let, let me know. And you gave your email too. Yeah. So let me know what happens. <laughs> let me know if you get a call from from Ach. Let me know if Ach in our Azerbaijan or Turkey contacts you. So oh, we'd like you to come to our head, and please, we have wonderful place for you. <laughs> and Greg Sorry. says, "Good luck with that." Yeah, exactly. Yeah, okay. So, so uh, we're not going to sell our reporters into white slavery. It's just not going to happen. However, yeah, you know, welcome to the camel's tent. I don't think so. Um, but this is this is really interesting. I never thought about that. And you know, this is why I love this show because you never know where we're going to go with it. But there's a lot to this. So, so waking up, this, this, you know, uh, but you literally do have to. In the, let's just cover this next couple of minutes. But you really have to wake up. I mean, there is a there is a body process from sleep to waking is an actual physical process, right? Correct. Correct. That's yeah. And those are okay. those are my recommendations for the day. But we could have a conversation, you know, another time about um, you know some of the other things that we brought up. I think it would be quite interesting, actually. Well, here's what I want you to do: uh, listen to a couple of our Monday reports with Dorothy Diana, the Sex and Sensuality Report, and and see if you want yep. to come on with with her on a Monday, and we'll talk about the nutritional aspects of sex and sensuality. What I mean, our aphrodisiacs. You know, do oysters really improve your love life? Is there a chemical basis for that? Oh, this could be fascinating. It could be. 
Yeah. Okay. Be. So write it write down yeah. Monday. She's on Mondays at uh, she's on uh, nine central, so that would be ten o'clock Eastern time. Just go back to our Monday shows. Uh, Jonathan Mosley is right before her, uh, and then I have the All first right, hour right. to myself. Yeah. So just check out some Monday shows. Just go back. Just go to blogtalkradio.com slash citizen action, a regular website. Uh, and you can find the Monday shows because in the description, it's going to have Jonathan and uh, Dorothy uh, in the show notes. And uh, me in the first hour doing something ranting. <laughs> That's what I do. Yeah. All right. Great. Yeah. All right. So well, that was so you're great. Off, well, yep, and you're off for a couple weeks, early. but not yet, right? You're back next week? Um, back next week. Yeah, as far as, as far as I know. Yeah, next week. Yep, I'm pretty good for the whole rest of August, except for the very end when my kids are coming in. My son and his wife are coming in from Colorado, and then we're going to do some traveling. So. Okay, well, that sounds like fun. You know, you can call us from the road, even if it's only for like three minutes. That'd be fun. Yeah, you I can know. do that. I this can is do CJ that. on the road, halfway to Colorado. It's a beautiful day. It's raining. It's you know, this, or the sun's out. We got a rainbow yeah. to the left. You know, we got a tornado to the right. This is fun. You know, so give us a road trip. <laughs> road report. All right. So let's get your contact. Yes. <laughs> let's get your contact one more time, just in case anybody wants to date you, uh, and or, or talk to you or anything else. Yeah. All right. <laughs> I'm so sorry. My, Go ahead. My business email is is eight. H2O Wellness Network at gmail.com. That's H2O Wellness Network at gmail.com. Sounds good to me. All right. Let's do it again next week. Right. Thank you, CJ. All righty. Thank you. Have a great day. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye. See the phone we have here? <laughs> 801. Um, after a really interesting chat that I had no idea where it was going to go. See, I really don't plan these conversations. I don't. Uh, it's just kind of whatever comes out, you know, what comes to mind. Uh, each answer leads to another question. We kind of go from there. So, so Mark, <laughs> Mark, Mark on the Netherlands, you see, the, this is the problem when you listen to the podcast is you miss the live chat. And so this is why I read the answers that are, uh, that are coming on live chat. So, so Mark is all in favor of coffee and sex, apparently, which is a good. So on that happy note, <laughs> kill me, uh, it's 801 here uh, in the beautiful uh, town of Milton on the banks of the Blackwater River, on the Gulf of Mexico, uh, in the state of Florida. And let me play you some things, and we'll be right back. Here is your Action Radio contact and website information. The call-in line is 215-383-3832. Our show site is blogtalkradio.com slash citizenaction. Same link, live and a podcast. Please share all our shows. We have live chat at the bottom of the broadcast page available worldwide. Sign in to your free account and type away. We have an internet Skype line where you can call the show worldwide also. Please see the broadcast page for our Skype name. Call in during the show to get approved. Our bill writing site is writeyourlaws.com. W-R-I-T-E. Y-O-U-R-L-A-W-S, writeyourlaws.com. This is where anyone can write a bill and start the process of it becoming law. My paid and free subscription column is at gregpenglis.substack.com. Please consider a paid subscription of $5 per month or greater. For contributions to Action Radio, please go to givesendgo.com slash actionradio. We have over 20 Action Radio Facebook groups. Use the Facebook search window by putting in Action Radio to find our groups. My public email is greg at writeyourlaws.com. Please contact me about advertising on Action Radio and helping our mission of freedom. 
thank you for listening. And as always, if you really want to help us out, then uh, the best thing to do is um, sponsor the show. Or if you know a company or someone that wants to help, here we are. Here at Action Radio, we are looking for sponsors. We have 30 and 60 second spots available for your announcements. And we have three-minute live call-ins to talk about your products and services available. Action Radio is the next evolution beyond talk radio. Join us and let us help your business evolve. Think about being a sponsor of the future and not just a listener and help us help your business grow as you help us plunge headlong into breaking new ground here on Action Radio every day. This is Greg Penglis for Strikeforce, your source for pure energy. Strikeforce is a concentrated energy drink that turns a half liter of your favorite beverage into an energy drink. You make your energy drink yourself. Action Radio is an affiliate of Strikeforce, so our listeners get a 20% discount. All you do is add our code, WYL, to the discount code window at checkout. WYL comes from our website, Write Your Laws. So, you can get your energy drink, a 20% discount, and help Action Radio change the relationship of we the people to our government. Not bad. Strikeforce is at StrikeforceEnergy.com. That's StrikeforceEnergy.com. Start your engines. This is Greg Penglis. So what is Action Radio? It is a radio show with its own citizen legislature. That's you, the listener. It is a fully interactive system of listeners, expert guests, social media, writing bills, legislator input, bill submission, lobbying, and citizen action. Action Radio is the future of talk radio using all the available technology in one completely integrated new system. You are listening to Action Radio Online with Greg Penglis. The webpage for all Action Radio shows and podcasts is blogtalkradio.com slash citizenaction. Please share our show with all your friends and family, both nationally and internationally. The guiding principle of Action Radio is this. We the people give our consent to be governed through writing the laws by which we are governed. All right, so well, let's get us uh, in news mode here. I'll just look around for my... Uh, on my theme, so I can find it here. And uh, this is going to be interesting. Well, we got a couple of hours, so we got a lot of time to chat. There's a lot of issues, and if I get bored, I'll just play something. But uh, for the most part, I have so much news. I probably spend the next, you know, five or six hours straight just going over all the different uh, uh, articles and things that I have here. So let's uh, let's get in news mode, and here we go.
so one of the things I try and do is report the news that nobody else is really covering, or certainly not the detail um, that it should be covered. And so this is one of those days. So you won't see me talking a lot about uh, Hunter Biden. You won't, you won't hear, oh, actually hear me. You don't see me at all, actually. But you won't hear me talking a lot about Trump's indictment uh, unless I have a specific guest. I'm actually working on a guest right now for that. Uh, the indictment is completely bogus. There's no reason for it. It's purely election interference, and it's designed to cost uh, Trump time and money uh, and keep him from uh, either running or make his campaign as weak as possible. I mean, that's obviously what it is. Uh, there's nothing more to really say about it. Uh, the person doing it, Jack Smith, uh, should be arrested for prosecutor, prosecutorial misconduct. Uh, and I'm hoping that the state of uh, Florida and protecting our Florida citizen, Donald Trump, will do just that. Uh, I'm not holding my breath, though. So that's all we really need to say. Hunter Biden, obviously, he left the cocaine in the White House. He's a crack addict. He's a total waste. He's a, he uses his father, you know, to get to millions of dollars, which is totally unjustified. And nobody's asking where the money is. <laughs> You know, you know, I mean, uh, obviously it's a bunch of shell corporations, but we should know what those corporations are. Uh, Rosemont, whatever it is, Seneca, that's one of them, I remember. Uh, some of the other many companies. Um, I've got uh, all kinds of stories of corruption. Uh, I went over some of them yesterday with how the, the DOJ, Department of Justice, is a uh, basically, I call them a, terrorist, a domestic terrorist organization, and, and so did J.D. Rucker and uh, his, uh, his Substack article. So, so you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in good company, I think, you know, as far as that goes. But the main sensational items are not what we do here. I mean, everybody else does. Why, why should I do what everybody else does? That doesn't, that doesn't advance our freedom. That doesn't advance our liberty. And that's what this show's all about. You know, as I just said to somebody this morning in an email, it's, it's not what has happened that matters to us. It's what can happen. This show's all about the future, you know, and creating a future where there's more freedom for everybody, you know, including uh, Marco in the Netherlands and all the people that listen internationally. You know, as I teach everybody, hopefully, uh, as I learn myself, and then I pass it on. So when I say I teach, that probably sounds arrogant. But the idea is that, uh, you know, through trial and error, I've developed a system of writing extremely effective citizen legislation. And it's a model that anybody can use. You know, it's very simple. You, you write an introduction or a rationale why you want your bill. You post the old law that you're changing if there is one. If there isn't, if you're doing new law, you don't. But uh, if there's old law that you're changing, like uh, vaccine product liability law or big tech censorship or things like that. If there's something that you're changing, uh, then you post the old law and then you post the new changes. That's it. You know, you don't need thousands of pages of nonsense. You don't need, uh, you know, hundreds of different sections and titles. You don't need a you know, total waste of time. Most of our bills are three to five sentences. And that's all it takes. We can put vaccine product liability in about three to five words. You know, there's two sections in law uh, where it says vaccine manufacturers shall not be liable. Well, you just change shall not to shall be <laughs> liable. Or you can, or as I, just to make it you know, a little emphasis, I put shall be fully liable. So shall not be to shall be, you just take out the word not. You can actually take out two words and pull vaccine product liability back on uh, Big Pharma, you know, because there's only two places in law I found uh, where it says they shall not be liable. Well, you just change shall not be to shall be, and the law changes. That's a 180 degree reversal by taking out the word not, N-O-T, three letters, twice. So you take out two words, six letters. That's it. That's all you have to do. There's no big mystery. There's no, there's no you know, magic you know, uh, you know, law degree, uh, you know, experience, judicial you know, law firm, trial. You don't have any of that stuff. I don't have any of that stuff. I don't have a law degree. I don't have trial experience. I, I didn't even take the LSAT. <laughs> you know, I, I couldn't have law school anyway because I didn't want the student loans. So I had to do it the old-fashioned way. Trial and error, <laughs> but it works, you know, so we got this really great system. So before I get to the, the, um, 
the news topic I want to talk about, which is the fact that our credit rating in the United States has been dropped from AAA to AA+. And we'll talk to Derek about this Friday because he's going to have a fair bit to say. Derek, at, uh, who comes on at 7.30 Central Time, our financial reporter. Um, it's just a genius when it comes to all the, all the, the financial stuff. In fact, Marco always insists he do the, uh, the Bitcoin report. So, Marco, every Friday, just as soon as Derek comes on, just type in Bitcoin just to remind me. And if he doesn't put it in the report, um, I'll see if I can add it to his, uh, his regular report because that's important because I don't know anything about Bitcoin. Anyway, what I do know about is citizen legislation um, because I've been working on it for, since 2014. Uh, and I'm the one who developed the system and, and found the webmasters and created the, the website and created the radio show and basically pioneered. Uh, okay. <laughs> Marco says, Bitcoin, I'm early. <laughs> Thanks, Marco. <laughs> this is what happens when I have, a, have, have like a co-host, you know, uh, in the Netherlands who's, who's typing in online. It's kind of funny. We have to, Marco, we have to meet one day. We got to go, uh, you know, uh, go find some uh, Dutch pub and uh, have a beer. And you'll have to recommend whatever the best local uh, – you know, uh, Dutch brew is, and uh, we got we got to talk you and I. It's gonna be kind of fun. Maybe I'll broadcast. Actually, I'm thinking of taking the show on the road anyway. I'd love to broadcast from Netherlands for a week. You know, and just have Marco find me a you know a nice little uh, uh, cottage in <laughs> some place with Wi-Fi that I can broadcast from, and I'll just uh, you know we'll do the whole show from the Netherlands. That would be fabulous. You know, and, uh, you know, the rest of the time just touring around, just meeting people. Uh, that's what I did in Europe for three months. You know, after college, so I'm, I, I know how to do it. Uh, it's kind of cool. Anyway, so. Um, that's a citizen legislation. There's two bills I'm working on, and I've already got the, the template. I've already got the, 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 the forms. I usually write them um, on a separate text edit form, and then I put them on writeyourlaws.com uh, because it's, it's harder to edit on writeyourlaws.com. There's some complex program that my, my webmaster put on there, uh, and unfortunately, he died a year ago. Uh, he was killed by the hospitals with a ventilator, and so my brilliant webmaster and my friend uh, Eric Colley, who created writeyourlaws.com for us, you know, his continued legacy is that I use that site literally every day. And even though it's had five hacks, it's still here. So, you know, I believe God watches over extra video and is uh, kind of like sneaking some stuff in to help me out when I need it. You know, like uh, the website's been hacked five times, but it's still there and everything got preserved. How'd that happen? Luck? You know, uh, hey, Marco. So actually, this might, might be interesting. Marco, if you know a webmaster, if you're a webmaster, you I trust now because I've seen you on, uh, on my show long enough. And uh, we could probably do it from Netherlands to here. So take a look at writeyourlaws.com. I'll put it right here. So Marco can take a look at our website. Tell me what you think. Because there are very few people, people I would actually trust to uh, be my webmaster. Simply because there's too many problems that can happen, you know, and too many stealing and too many other things that could be going on. So there's my website, writeyourlaws.com. So take a look at it. See what you think. Um, the homepage really explains everything of how it works. The, uh, the next section, legislation, um, covers how we do things, how, where, where you write your bill, um, where it goes to citizen bill ideas, kind of like our committee hearing, uh, where the bills, when they're finished, we use uh, uh, all proposed laws. We use that for, um, for sending bills out to media and government. And some of the other sections, national bills, things like that. I really haven't used those yet. And the site's not finished because Eric died before he finished it, or he was killed before he finished it. And so uh, uh, we're, we're partially there, but it's functional. I mean, it's fully functional as far as writing and, and publishing bills goes, but there's more to do with it. All right. So the two bills, like I say, I've already got the, the, uh, uh, the forms on my computer. One is to abolish the Department of Justice. We talked about that yesterday in great detail as to why I want to abolish the Department of Justice. And I'm not the only one. Apparently, I found the head of the Federalist um, news organization, the Federalist website, wants to abolish the Department of Justice also. The difference is they're talking about it, and I'm going to write a bill to actually do it. 
Okay, that's the difference between us and them, us and the complainers, us and the, 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 the wimpy, whiny, weeny babies, is that they, they complain a good game, but they don't actually do anything. It's like the Republican Party. There's no need for a Republican Party because they don't do anything. Why? I mean, they're, they're taking up space. They're, they're a waste of time. They're like an inert gas. You know, it's, it's just there. <laughs> you know, unless you light it up, it doesn't actually do anything. Republicans, same thing. You know, they, they light up periodically, but they don't actually do anything. So what's their function? What is the function of the Republican Party? They're not the opposition. They're the controlled opposition. To actually fight back, there is no committee on the stolen election of 2020. There is no committee to arrest, you know, Brandon. And, and, and Brand, you don't arrest, you don't impeach Brandon. You only impeach presidents. But you don't impeach people that stole the office. You arrest them. See, that's the problem, too. See, all the language is wrong. Anyway. So the two bills, the first bill is, is abolishing the Department of Justice because they're redundant. They don't do anything. They, uh, um, every one of their departments, you know, goes after a crime that is not legal for the federal government to go after. As I explained in great t- detail yesterday, there's only three crimes that the feds are allowed to touch. Uh, piracy, treason, and uh, counterfeiting. Piracy on the high seas is defined by the Constitution because that was major, major transportation back in the 1700s was water. <laughs> That's how people got around, right? So piracy involved pirates, literal pirates stealing our ships. Don't you guys remember from the halls of Montezuma to the shores of Tripoli, the Marine Hymn? Well, the shores of Tripoli is Libya. Well, what did Libya have in the 1700s? Well, it had pirates. <laughs> okay? So the, the Marine Hymn from the, from the halls of Montezuma, in other words, Mexico, to the shores of Tripoli, in other words, Libya, uh, the Marines went after pirates. <laughs> okay, that's how we got our. That's how the Marines got their start, going after pirates and going after Mexico. It's kind of interesting, really. Anyway, I digress. Um, but uh, that's but piracy is is uh, is not something uh, you know that's handled by the Department of Justice. It's not. It's handled by the Navy, the Air Force, the National Guard, Air National Guard, and uh, truck hijacking and and land is handled by uh, the state police and the local police and the county sheriffs. So again, the Department of Justice doesn't handle piracy. So that's one of the three. The second one is treason. They don't handle that either. Congress decides the punishment for treason. It's in the Constitution. And who's going to arrest the traitors? Well, the U.S. Marshals. That's why we have a U.S. Marshal Service. All right. That, that, is, that is the only you know, duly chartered, I think, I don't think U.S. Marshals are listed in the Constitution, but George Washington, back at our founding, had U.S. Marshals. So if it's good enough for George, it's good enough for me. I don't mind U.S. Marshals. But we're going to have to greatly scale them back because we're going to get rid of all the federal prisons and put them all in the state prisons because there are only three crimes. We mentioned uh, two of them already. Uh, piracy, which is handled by uh, the military, Coast Guard, etc. cetera. Uh, treason, which is only in time of declared war, which we haven't had since World War II. That's handled by the Congress and the U.S. Marshals. And the last one is counterfeiting. Counterfeiting is, is uh, taken care of by the Secret Service. As for, I think that's in the, I don't know that's in the Constitution, but counterfeiting is a federal crime. And it was, it's been, the jurisdiction of that has been given to the Secret Service in law. And the Secret Service should be, again, back at the Treasury. You know, that's where they're supposed to be. Get them out of Homeland Security. Homeland Security is another agency. Um, I think they're constitutional because we, we do have border protection and things like that. So Homeland Security is a legitimate agency, whereas the Department of Justice is not. Because there's nothing in the Constitution that gives the Department of – anything the Department of Justice is doing is not authorized by the Constitution. Maybe civil rights. <laughs> I'll, I'll grant him that. But we, could, we have an independent Department of Civil Rights. We don't have to have them under the Department of Justice. So if we take civil rights out, make it an independent uh, Department of Government, the Department of Civil Rights, for example, 
That would make that would make sense because civil rights are covered uh, by the Civil Rights Act, by the Fourteenth Amendment, equal protection, and a bunch of other things. So civil rights is enshrined in our Constitution. Rights are in the Bill of Rights. So that's legitimate. So we take the Civil Rights Division out of the F, out of, out of the uh, I think it's in the FBI. Take it out of the FBI. Take it out of the Department of Justice. Make it an independent agency. Uh, maybe make it an elected position. Wouldn't that be interesting? Run for uh, director of the Civil Rights Administration. Huh. Have to work on that. Make. <laughs> this is how I legislate, right? Make civil rights division. An independent agency. Oh, wouldn't that be interesting? See how things happen when I start talking? Independent agency. There we go. That'll be another bill. <laughs> I got a lot of work for my. I, I, all I do on the show is create work for myself. I mean, I really do. So uh, I'd be interested when Marco has a chance to let us know what he thinks of writeyourlaws.com. Marco, you can do it another day. You don't have to do it today. Uh, so whenever, whenever the spirit moves you, maybe you can take a look this weekend. You know, there's a lot there. Some of those bills, I think, are fascinating, especially under all proposed laws. Some of them are kind of silly, but I wanted to post them anyway because people are trying. You know, and we can take what, what might be a, a silly bill at first and turn it into something really good. So this, this is why I don't discount anybody's thoughts, even if I think the bill maybe not necessarily will go anywhere. But a lot of times they're worth posting anyway because at least people are trying. And we can work with them and make something really good out of it. You never know what, a, what, a, what an initially silly idea turns into something brilliant. You know, I mean, too many things are spontaneous. I've seen it happen, so you know, so I don't discount anything. All right, so the first bill, getting rid of the Department of Justice. The second bill is on compliance costs, and we talked about this yesterday too. So these are both bills I'm probably going to write soon, <laughs> like maybe this weekend. At least one of them is going to be written this weekend. And so this is what this is my Saturdays are for. So Saturday afternoon, I kind of hunker down, you know, turn on some old movie, <laughs> you know, because I need a mental distraction. I can only concentrate for short periods of time, ADHD. But I, I really intensely concentrate for short periods of time. You know, that's why the bills are short, because I have no attention span. So I figure if I have no attention span, nobody else does. <laughs> you know, so this is why if you can't read my bill, if you can't read the actual bill part of the bill in like 30 seconds, it's too long. You know, and this is why this stuff's so accessible. And people think, oh, it's legislation, it's long, it's complex. No, it's not. Most of our bills are three to five sentences. Now, the introductions are, are like, you know, maybe a few paragraphs. Because I have to explain why we're doing what we're doing. That's where the length of the, that's what takes the time in writing is the explanation for the bill. But the actual bills themselves are incredibly short. We have a bill that uh, Dr. Judy Mikevitz uh, and one of our listeners, Linda, worked on. And Linda wrote most of it. So the listener wrote most of the bill uh, to get rid of drug advertising. Well, this is what, for this bill, we had to change the format because our bill was so much shorter than the current law. The current law was like 15 pages. Our bill was about three sentences. <laughs> So what we did was we put the introduction, which Linda wrote, which is brilliant. Uh, we put our bill, you know, here, this, is the, this is the replacement bill, you know, three sentences. There shall be no drug advertising in the United States for prescription drugs, you know, except to professional health professionals. That's, 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 basically, that's the whole bill, right? There's no drug advertising in the United, prescription drug advertising in the United States uh, except directed to, you know, to health professionals. In other words, in their magazines and things like that. That's the bill. So <laughs> that's it. But the, the current law you know, that, that uh, directs prescription drug advertising is like 15 pages long. So, so we basically said, this is, you know, this, this, what follows now is revoked. And that's the bill. It's the whole bill, you know. So this is, this is kind of fun once you get into it. So compliance costs. Well, what are compliance costs? Well, compliance costs are what you have to pay when the government investigates you. 
whether it's an IRS investigation, an ATF investigation, a Department of Justice investigation, which we know are bogus now because they have no authority legitimately. Uh, FBI investigation, well, there's no national police force in the Constitution, so anything they do is illegitimate. Uh, yet they can still throw you in jail or even execute you, you know, uh, you know shot while escaping. Well, sorry, we, uh, you know, we don't know what happened. The, uh, the prisoner, in other words, the American patriot, you know, trying to escape the FBI, in other words, you know, maintain their civil rights, was uh, shot and killed trying to escape. We couldn't help it. Sorry. It was, we feared for our life. We, we thought we were in imminent danger, so we just shot and killed them. Yeah, yeah, you wonder about the J6 prisoners, the political prisoners, if some actually escape the D.C. Gulag. I, mean, that would, I, I don't think they would because they're decent people. But if they did, what, you know, would the guards say, well, hey, you know, sh- you know shoot on sight. Uh, tried to escape uh, the, you know, for being an insurrectionist and a terrorist. It was a bunch of nonsense. Anyway, I digress. All right, so back to the main topic. Compliance costs. So if the federal government, I'm not going to worry about the state governments for now. I don't hear about the same level of abuse as the feds. But if a federal government agency investigates you, whether you're guilty or innocent, you're going to lose. You're going to lose time. You're going to lose money. You might lose friends. You might lose your job, you know, especially if you're a teacher. I mean, how many teachers are falsely, especially, you know, obviously male teachers, but, you know, some female teachers too, who are actually guilty, you know, but how many, how many teachers are accused of, of sexual assault? Well, that's it. Your career is over. It doesn't matter whether you're guilty or, or not. If, if you're a man, you're, you're accused of child molestation, you know, and you're a teacher, you're out. You're done. doesn't matter whether there's any truth to it or not. So then there'll be an investigation. Well, even if the investigation says, oh, you know, that was a false accusation. They're, they're perfectly uh, normal teacher, good person, decent to the kids. You know, they're a mentor. They're, they're, they're a model citizen. Uh, it doesn't matter. Your career is still over. All right? So just being investigated can sometimes ruin your life. And so what I'm trying to do with this compliance cost, maybe because when I get investigated, I'll probably need it myself, um, is that a lot of people cannot afford the investigation. And that's wrong. See, if you're innocent until proven guilty, and that's where a lot of this comes from. I'm going to write that down here. Uh, Compliance costs, innocent until proven guilty. So there should be no cost to you to prove your innocence. Because you're innocent until proven guilty. That's on the government. So innocent... Until proven guilty. I wonder how this works in Europe. I'll see what Marco says. Proven guilty. Okay? So it shouldn't cost you anything to prove your innocence. So what I'm saying is, if the government investigates you, then the compliance costs with that investigation are paid by the government up front to you, the person being investigated. So, and it should be at the rate of what they're, they're, they're uh, paying for their investigation of you. So in other words, if they spent $40 million, I think that's the figure. I think Trump spent $40 million on his defense from all these bogus indictments. So if, if uh, Trump spent, has spent $40 million, that should be instantly um, reimbursable by the federal government. Because they're the ones who caused the indictment. They're the ones who, who are doing investigating. So in other words, whatever it costs. So if you spend money, then that should be instantly you know, reimbursed. And if you're guilty, then, then we can talk about it. I don't know if, uh, if the cost of the investigation should, should be um, still reimbursed if you're guilty. Maybe not. We'll, we'll, we'll think about that. That's probably my only question. But um, while you're being investigated, you should have um, all your costs reimbursed. Now, how about your time? You can lose your time. But your time should be paid for also. I'm thinking $100 an hour per person investigated. So if you have five people in your company investigated, federal government pays you $500 for every hour that you 
put into uh, your own uh, defense or investigation of what the government to, or compliance. In other words, the, the government, you know, wants five people in your company to supply personal documents, company documents, you know, uh, business deal documents, things like that. Well, they get paid $100 an hour for that work by the federal government, you know, to comp- in, in compliance costs. So that way it doesn't cost you or your company or your employees anything to comply with a federal investigation, right? See, this is all new. No, nobody thinks of that stuff except us here at Action Radio. So that's a compliance cost issue. And so that's how it would be done. So in other words, and here's the thing too. So if you're innocent and have not been proven guilty, then all the costs you incurred complying with the federal government's investigation, which led nowhere, uh, have already been reimbursed to you. So it doesn't cost you anything. Now, time is another factor. Uh, and I don't know how to reimburse for time other than to pay $100 an hour. You know, in, in in compliance time, you spend an hour on your on your investigation, you get hundred bucks from the government. Maybe it should be more than that. Maybe it should be whatever the government lawyers get. And I'll write that down. Government lawyer. So if the lawyer investigating you makes five hundred dollars an hour, you get five hundred dollars an hour. Equal. Let's call it equal pay. I'm running out of room to write in that particular section. So those are the two bills. One to get rid of the DOJ, which would actually be easy. I just look for where they are in law. Uh, which whatever title uh, the Department of Justice is under, and just put, you know, this this uh, title and section and the following sections are hereby repealed. That's the whole bit. That's how you get rid of the DOJ. And then I go to the budget section and I put, uh, or I'll add a budget section. Any monies um, uh, authorized for the Department of Justice are hereby canceled. I say do that. So DOJ, DOJ, DOJ. Where's my DOJ bill? So let's put uh, so put act repealed and repealed and let's put uh, budget canceled. <laughs> Isn't this fun? And you're thinking to yourself, gee, Greg, how can you do that? How can you just write a bill that gets rid of the Department of Justice? Well, it's easy. I sit down at my computer and I type it out. You'd be amazed how much power you have when you when you start doing things like this. Canceled. So the problem is the, the power I don't have is to make uh, people share the bills and to, to make Congress read the bills. That's that's up to you guys. You have to do that. You have to go to Congress uh, with your emails. You don't have to go visit them. Just, just put an email. Just put a, a, a bill link. Put our DOJ you know uh, re- revocation bill in an email and say, please pass this bill. Send the link to the bill. The bill will explain the rest. You don't even have to explain it. You just say, please pass this bill. Couldn't be easier. Send it to media. Please report this bill. <laughs> you know, or report on this bill. That's it. That's all you have to do. You know, four words, five words. I mean, I try to make everything as simple as possible. So you get the email of whatever media, whatever talk show host, whatever uh, pollster, anybody you can get a hold of, and you say, send them a, send them a thing and say, uh, please uh, report on this bill. That's it. To members of Congress or state legislatures, or city councils, or county commissions, or school boards. You just send them the link to a bill and say, please pass this bill. That's it. But if millions, of, it's not how much you say, it's just the fact you put it in. It's numbers. So if millions of people send in our constitutional amendment to um, take away the power of Congress to borrow money, there's going to be a huge uh, um, push to pass a constitutional amendment to have Congress uh, lose their ability to borrow money. Well, that would solve the national debt and a bunch of other problems. I think I played my news theme a little early. We didn't really talk about news. We talked about all our action radio news, but that's okay. Let's, uh, let me play a couple of other things here. Give me some, uh, a little distraction at uh, 831. And I'll come back with an article on the Treasury and how we lost our, our credit.
Again, because I'm by myself, the show might be a little shorter, shorter because I can only talk for so long. And then I get bored. <laughs> Maybe I'll play you one of my other interviews some way back when. I kept them here. Yeah, because actually, I might, I might play one of my Mark Thornton interviews again because he's so good, uh, especially talking about economics. That might be a thing to do. So I'll, I'll consider that um, in the next hour, playing Mark Thornton's interview again. All right. So let's uh, play you a couple of things here at 831, and I'll be right back. Greg Penglis here for my book, The Complete Guide to Flight Instruction. Everyone at some point in their life wants to learn how to fly. Few try. Even fewer go on to get a license. I believe a major reason for that is how we teach people how to fly. My book is designed to help you navigate the flight training system, but it's so much more than that. It really describes an entirely new way to teach flying. So if you've never tried a lesson or got discouraged in your training and quit for any reason, this book can help you. Don't be a rope pilot who just follows procedures. Be a thinking pilot who makes great decisions, who understands all the reasons why we do what we do. You can incorporate these principles into your own flight training at any time. The Complete Guide to Flight Instruction is featured on the Action Radio with Greg Panklos Facebook page and is available from Amazon.com. Well, that sounds good. Even better. Okay, how about your car? If you want the best service for your vehicle, please talk to James at Florida Stores Automotive, conveniently located at 6715 Caroline Street in the historic district of Milton, Florida, right between the Milton Bakery and the Blackwater Trail. Whether you need an oil change or an entire engine replaced, this is the place. The phone number is 850-623-6651. That's 850-623-6651. Call, ask questions, and get the information you need. Florida Stores Automotive is a full-service automotive shop for both domestic and imports, modern and classic. It is a family-owned business here in our Milton community. Open weekdays from 7.30 to 5 p.m., Florida Stars Automotive is a convenient place to keep your car maintained and on the road. Ask them about Firestone Tires and the rotation and maintenance plan. Florida Stars Automotive. I go there. You should, too. Do you know your way around healthcare, insurance, pharmacies, surgery, alternative treatments and choices? I don't, which is why I'm so glad I met Priscilla Romans, had her on Action Radio, and learned about health patient advocacy. She is the founder of Great Care, and now as an affiliate of Great Care, we are proud to offer through our discount code, WYL, which stands for Write Your Laws, a 10% discount. Great Care saves you both time and money. They provide medical advocacy, consultation, advice, and recommendations nationwide. Their website is greatcare.com. That's G-R-A-I-T-H care.com. You can email them at greatcare.adm at gmail.com or call them at 469-864-7149. That's 469-864-7149. Great Care, better health through better knowledge and advocacy. Action Radio. 
part of the ADHD Radio Network, the ultimate free speech zone. We the people give our consent to be governed through writing the laws by which we are governed and have the power through juries to nullify the laws by which we do not consent to be governed. At Action Radio, we don't report the news. We are the news. Every other show reports what has happened. We talk about what can happen. From the questions no one has thought to ask, to the answers no one has thought to consider, to the actions no one has dared to take. That is Action Radio. Yes, it was my goal to put all our cliches in one place. <laughs> That's where they are uh, in our in our little surf promo ad uh, uh, there. All right, so let's get back uh, on track here and talk about. So now we're going to the news. I played my news theme earlier, but now we're actually back into news. And and so something happened that's happened before. Uh, and it's uh, actually in most countries, according to uh, uh, Derek Park, there are very few countries that have a AAA uh, credit rating. We used to have one. Well, then we got a national debt. Then we got uh, uh, Democrats and Republicans spending trillions of dollars um, for no reason. I mean, there was no – they didn't spend any money on COVID. We had hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin. We had two perfectly valid, low-cost uh, cures for uh, – doctors don't say cures. They say treatments. But I, I'm not a doctor, so I say cures, right? We, we had cures for COVID. So there was no reason for anything. In fact, anybody that looks on uh, uh, my chart, uh, every time I do a show and I do the show notes, you'll see a slide with, uh, with a graph where it goes up, about six lines go up, and about six lines go down. Well, that's the death rate from COVID. All right. So starting in January, it's zero. Peaked at April 15th. This is all 2020. And then went to pretty much zero uh, by July. So COVID was gone by mid-July of 2020. Everything after that was hype and lies and, you know, uh, lockdowns and masks and fear and uh, reduced immunity and preparation for the, uh, the COVID shots so they could kill and injure people. And that's what that was all about. But COVID was gone in mid-July. So, uh, so that's Marco. He's a high-tech guy. You know, take a look at our slides. Not today. And I think I haven't... I think I haven't done yesterday's show notes. That's unusual. I usually do them every day. Uh, but look from a couple of days ago and look at the slides. You know, you've got, uh, we, we graph liberty. You know, we've got a nice little eye chart for, for Joe Biden. You'll have to read that one for yourself. Um, we've got uh, the chart on, uh, on COVID. And you can't find that chart anymore. It's a, it's a CDC chart that I, I copied when they made it because I knew that, uh, I, I said, with all the hype, hype around COVID, uh, and they're showing a zero trait, <laughs> you know, in, in, in July of 2020. I said, this has got to be, this has got to be capped. And I said, they're, they're going to get rid of this, you know, problem. Anyway, so back to our credit rating. So a credit rating is what you all have. Uh, I'm sure they have in Europe too and everything else. Uh, so we'll see what Marco says. But uh, the credit rating is, is, you know, your propensity to pay back the money that you borrow. Okay. So if you borrow money on credit and you pay it back, you have a good credit rating. If you borrow money on credit and you do not pay it back, you have a bad credit rating, become a higher credit risk, and if anybody's going to loan you money, then they become loan sharks and they charge you more interest. Well, that's pretty much what's happening in the United States. <laughs> so as we, um, as we borrow more and more money for no reason, for stupid wars like Afghanistan and Iraq and uh, Ukraine, and uh, we borrow money for stupid causes like uh, – you know, um, unemployment when we don't need to and COVID when we don't need to. Of course, none of these we need to, but they, they borrowed like $7 trillion in the last few years. That's what caused inflation. So not only do we have inflation caused by borrowing money, 
Um, we've got our credit. We borrowed so much money, we can't pay it back. You know, except at a ridiculous amount of interest. I think the interest either at either will soon or already does exceed our our defense expenditure. So that paying interest on the national debt is is, is money for nothing, and your chicks for free. <laughs> you know, it's money for nothing. Interest payments are money for nothing. You're paying money, but you're not getting anything for it. It's wasted money. Anytime you pay interest, you're losing money for no reason because you never should have borrowed in the first place. You know, our government's borrowed trillions of dollars and they're paying billions of dollars in interest. Pretty soon our interest rate, our interest payments will be a trillion dollars or more a year. I think when we get $50 trillion worth of debts, which is the figure in the next little while, that's like two, two and a half trillion dollars worth of interest every year. Well, our, our revenue is only $5 trillion. So half the entire revenue from all taxes and all fees and all government income, I shouldn't say income, but all government revenue, half of it's going to go to pay just for the interest on the national debt. Well, that's economic suicide. That's insane. Only crazy people would do that or people that wanted to destroy the United States. In many cases, both. So I hear last night that our credit rating has dropped, and I go to a bunch of different sources, and I pass by the liberal sources, and I get someone that actually deals with financial news, and that would be Barron's. So I have from AFP News, Fitch, I'm not sure who Fitch is, I'll find out in a minute, downgrades U.S. credit rating after debt limit standoffs. So in other words, the Inflation Reduction Act, the National Debt Spending Act, the last one that was designed to uh, fix things, guess what? It made things worse, but we always need that. That's why you never wanted to have Kevin McCarthy a speaker. He's Kevin McDeep State, total waste. So this is by Bell-Yul-Siow. S-E-O-W, Xiao. So this is Belial Xiao. I, don't sure. I wonder where they're based. I don't even know if it's male or female. Interesting. August 1st, 2023, so two days ago. Fitch downgrades U.S. credit rating after debt limit standoffs. And it's August 1st, 2023. And this is the ADDS. <laughs> this is ADDS. <laughs> this is Analysis React. So I wonder if ADDS is similar to ADHD. I'm curious. It looks similar. Or ADD. So is ADDS uh, uh, an extension of ADD? Who knows? Anyway, it says Fitch. I'm going to find out who Fitch is in a minute. Downgraded the United States' top-notch credit rating by a step on Tuesday, citing a growing federal debt burden. Yeah, that's what we call the national debt, right? And an erosion of governance. In other words, we have a coup d'etat and an illegal government in Washington, right? They don't say that, but that's, that's the truth. And then it says that has manifested in debt limit standoffs. In other words, uh, they can't agree. You know, Mexican standoff. <clears throat> Two people hit each other with a gun. Somebody fires because they're both going to die. <clears throat> Sorry. Paragraph says the decision to downgrade the U.S. from AAA, in other words, AAA, to AA plus, which is really bad, you know, uh, sparked a fiery rebuttal from the White House. Well, considering the White House caused the problem because they have an illegal occupant and because they borrowed seven trillion dollars and created inflation uh, and caused the situation, I don't, what, I don't know what they're complaining about. This is, everything's going exactly to plan. They're spending us into economic suicide. We're getting our credit downgraded. I mean, everything's uh, happening the way it's supposed to happen. Apparently, they just the, the but they can't tell you that. They can't tell you this is by design, right? So they have to they have to feign opposition. I believe is the term. So as they're feigning opposition, this is what it looks like. Anyway, a fiery rebuttal from the White House. Oh, I've I've, I've got to see if uh, Kareem Jean Pierre Rampal um, made some kind of fiery speech in her amazing incompetence. Uh, so the White House was press secretary Kareem Jean Pierre saying the move defies reality. No, <laughs> your economic plan defies reality, <laughs> obviously. Um, this move actually makes, more, makes a lot of sense. You have to. If you spend $7 trillion 
and create a uh, trillion dollars worth of interest or more. Money that's for nothing, because interest payments are nothing. All right? They don't create anything. They, all they do is pay off people the, 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 the people that brought, they borrowed the money from. In other words, the people that bought the treasuries, right? Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen, another total idiot, government stooge, globalist, you know, manip- globalist apparatchik. You know, let's call her globalist apparatchik. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen said in a separate statement that she, quote, strongly disagreed with Fitch as well. Well, it doesn't matter because whoever Fitch is, Fitch is right. It's something funny who Fitch is, but I'll, I'll get there. Fitch as well, calling the change arbitrary and based on outdated data. Data, excuse me. Well, I don't think it's outdated at all. I mean, it's pretty current that our debt is increasing at a billion dollars a minute or whatever it is. You know, uh, our national debt's increasing. No one's doing anything about it. Spending is increasing. Uh, they're not cutting spending at all. So the, the debt ratio, you know, the debt revenue ratio increases. In other words, we have more debt than we have, you know, revenue. Uh, revenue stays pretty much the same, but the debt's increasing. Well, something's got to give, right? Then it says, it is the first such downgrade by a major ratings company. I guess Fitch is a company. In more than a decade. Well, more than, that's not that long ago. What, 2000, probably 2008 was the last one, but we'll see. It is the first, let me, let me give you my official, my, my economic voice. It is the first such downgrade by a major ratings company in more than a decade. A debt ceiling impasse in 2011 saw, oh, is that 2011? Okay, so that was, that was 12 years ago. We're now 2013, 2023. Yeah, okay. Debt impasse in 2011 during the Obama administration. Oh, there we go. Right, I just said that. It's not in the article. Uh, S&P Laura Washington's AAA writing, AAA rating, drawing bipartisan outrage. Well, I mean, they can draw all the outrage they want, but the, 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 the ratings companies are right. See, rather than, rather than faking outrage, if, if Congress actually cut spending and stopped borrowing, we wouldn't be in this mess. It's not that hard to do. They just don't want to do it because they want the money to, to make themselves look good for elections. They're using, they're, they're destroying the economy so they can borrow more money so they can look good in elections. That's really what it comes down to. It's about their own personal power. It's the most selfish thing I've ever heard in my life. So here's the quote from Fitch Ratings. I guess Fitch is a rating server. I'll look up Fitch in a minute. I'll find out who they are. And the quote is, the rating downgrade of the United States reflects the expected fiscal deterioration. That would be inflation and recession, the words they don't talk about, right? Over the next three years, a high and growing general government debt burden and the erosion of governance related to peers, said Fitch Ratings on Tuesday. I should get the official Fitch report. Maybe I'll do it right now. It added that there was a stable outlook assigned. In other words, uh, so the, it's stable that we're declining. Yellen, told lady of the Treasury, said Fitch's quantitative ratings model declined between 2018 and 2020, but the agency was only announcing its change now despite progress seen in indicators. Um, does that, is that English? Does that actually mean anything? Then Janet Yellen, who sounds like everybody's uh, you know, incoherent grandmother, she, probably great-grandmother great by now. She says, she argued that U.S. Treasury securities remain the world's preeminent safe and liquid asset and that the American economy is fundamentally strong. You can't say that with a $32 trillion national debt. There's nothing strong about $32 trillion in national debt. That's not strong. That's weak. That's dangerously weak. Idiot. Anyway, she says, while the lifting of the U.S. Uh, while the lifting of the U.S. debt ceiling, a limit on government borrowing to pay for bills already incurred, was often routine, it has for several years become a contentious partisan issue. All right, so these folks are actually telling the truth. So Barron's is telling the truth. All right, so I'm going to read this again because this is really important. Uh, While the lifting of the U.S. debt ceiling, 
the U.S. debt ceiling is a limit on government borrowing. In other words, so the debt ceiling is, is, the, is the, highest place of the, the highest point that the debt can go, the national debt. Okay? You cannot go above it because it's a ceiling. That's, that's a limit. All right? But they routinely go above it. And they say, well, we have to raise the debt ceiling because we have to cover our obligations. We can't default. But look what they say here. There's actually a bit of truth here. It says, while the, the lifting of the U.S. debt ceiling, a limit on government borrowing, and here's the part, to pay for bills already incurred. Think about that for a second. To pay for bills already incurred, which means Congress spent money above the debt ceiling illegally and then runs back and say we have to raise the debt ceiling to cover our previously illegal spending to make it legal. That's what raising the debt ceiling does. It takes previously incurred illegal spending above the debt ceiling, raises the debt ceiling to make it legal. That's what it does. Then, it's, all right, then it says there is a clear short run implication on the downgrade involving higher bond yields. And, okay, all right. Let's start by Fitch. I wonder if I can find that. We got more here, but. Uh, and Okay, we got more stuff here. That, that's essentially what's going on. They're all talking about Fitch, why he's wrong. <laughs> Fitch is right. Uh, oh, this is interesting. So, so in May, Fitch had placed the country's credit on ratings watch negative, reflecting increased political partisanship, in other words, Republicans and Democrats, that hampered a resolution to raise or suspend the debt limit ahead of the looming deadline. Yeah, so in other words, the fact that they, they uh, contentiously went at this, See, Republicans are willing, some of them are willing to hold out. Matt Gaetz, my person, the, the Freedom uh, Caucus are willing to say, no, we're not going to raise the debt ceiling. You've got to cut spending. And then uh, Kevin McCarthy, the, the deep state betrayal person, goes directly to Joe Biden in violation of uh, the Constitution, which says that bills start in the House, then go to the Senate, and then go to the President. He, the Speaker goes directly to the President to sort of negotiate on their own a bill. The House should have rejected it simply because of the process. Speaker of the House cannot go to the president, negotiate a bill, and then bring it back to the House. That's unconstitutional, and yet that's what they did. It says, in Fitch's, there's been a steady deterioration in standards of governance over the last 20 years. Oh, really? That includes Trump? I don't think so. Including on fiscal and debt matters, the agency said Tuesday. Yeah, Trump should have uh, stopped all of this. She sh- he should never have signed a bill that increased our debt. He shouldn't have, right? Make them cut spending. And he says the repeated debt limit political standoffs, last-minute resolutions have eroded confidence in fiscal management. What do you mean eroded confidence? I have no confidence in our government's ability to fiscally manage anything because they have a $32 trillion national debt. That's insane. Uh, it says the government lacks a medium-term fiscal framework, whatever that is. Anyway, so they're, they're doing gobbledygook. Let me see if I can find the original... Uh, See if I can find Fitch, Fitch from the U.S. Uh, national debt. Uh, let's go. So Fitch, I don't even know who they are. Fitch report on U.S. credit down grade to A, AA plus. See if I can get the actual Fitch report for you. This will make more sense. Now, what do I get? I get CNN. I get Reuters. I get everything but the, the, the real source. So where would I find Fitch? Under Fitch.com? <laughs> Let's find out. What about Fitch? I got Washington Examiner. I get everybody but Fitch. Okay, since you're not going to give me Fitch, let me just put Fitch Report. <laughs> Let's see what happens. 
I T S C H no F Fitch F I T C H ratings ratings. No, let's try Fitch ratings. Let's see what comes up here. FitchRatings.com. That's what I was looking for. <laughs> let's find out who people are. Fitch downgrades U.S. long-term rating to AA+, outlook stable. So in other words, they're convinced that the, the stable outlook is that we're going to keep lowering our, our, our standards here. Uh, learn more. Let's see what learn more says. Fitch ratings. This is actually from, from the folks themselves, not what somebody said about what they said. So let's try that. Fitch, London. Oh, that's interesting. It's from London. Okay. Tuesday, August 1st. Dateline. Give my, uh, my, give my teletype theme again. This will be kind of fun. I'll, I'll make it sound official here. Hang on, just give me a second. Direct from London. This just in. Tuesday, August 1st, 2023. Rating action commentary. Fitch ratings on the website is fitchratings.com. So if you want to look up the, the horse's mouth, that's what it is. Fitch downgrades the United States long-term ratings to AA+, from AAA+. In other words, AA plus from AAA, Outlook Stable. Tuesday, August 1st, 2023, uh, no article person. Fitch Ratings, London. Fitch Ratings has downgraded the United States of America's long-term foreign currency issuer default rating, the IDR, to AAA plus. Let me say that. They don't say that. They, they didn't say that in the U.S. press. They just said the credit rating, right? But it really is the long-term foreign currency issuer default rating. That's fascinating. Uh-huh. The rating watch negative was removed and a stable outlook assigned. Okay, the country's ceiling uh, has been affirmed at AAA. I don't know what that means. A full list of ratings actions is at the end of this rating action commentary. Ratings downgrade. The rating downgrade in the United States reflects the expected fiscal deterioration over the next three years, a high and growing general government debt burden, in other words, the national debt's increasing, and the erosion of governance relative to A and AAA, in other words, AA and AAA, rated peers over the last two decades that has manifested in repeated debt limit standoffs and last-minute resolutions. Erosion of governance. You know, this is a better article than the articles about the article. This is actually pretty good. I didn't even know who Fitch was. I thought it was a person. I didn't know it was a rating service. But it's interesting. It's a, it's a British rating service. So the British, the British, uh, the London FTSE, the stock market, the, the British economy, British financiers, you know, oh, to be a British financier is to be a wealthy person, is to have property all over the place, especially in everywhere from South Africa to the colonies, you know, that we'll get them back again someday. Anyway, erosion of governance. In Fitch's view, there has, but that could put an ad up in front of my, my, my text here. In Fitch's view, there has been a steady deterioration in the standards of governance over the last 20 years. Oh, I think a coup d'etat would, would qualify as a deterioration stance, wouldn't you? This is including on fiscal and debt matters, notwithstanding the June bipartisan agreement to suspend the debt limit until January 2025. That's fiscal insanity, folks. That, that, that alone should downgrade us. Then it says, the repeated debt limit political standoffs and the last-minute resolutions have eroded confidence. Again, I say there is no confidence. In addition, the government lacks a medium-term fiscal framework. Oh, there we go. Unlike most peers, and there'll be other countries, and has a complex budgeting process. Well, that's actually it's good. We want a complex process, but it's, we're supposed to use it. 13 appropriations bills. Remember that, guys? Okay. Yeah. These factors, along with several economic shocks, as well as tax cuts and new spending initiatives, in other words, borrowing, have contributed to successive debt increases over the last decade. Additionally, there have been only limited 
there has been only limited progress in tackling medium-term challenges related to rising Social Security and Medicare costs due to an aging population. Well, that would be me. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm aging. I'm 63. Anyway, so uh, government is a good article. Okay, I'll post this on uh, Action Radio Economics page. That's where you're going to find it. All right. So what's the solution? Well, the solution is actually painfully simple. Mm-hmm. So just to, to review the title of the show today, just so everybody is, is up on what we're doing here. The title of the show is Welcome to Deep State Hell and How to Climb Back Out. So although I don't really have a specific deep state hell program, everything we're talking about kind of relates. All right. So um, the credit rating, the national debt, the stolen election, all the other things that are happening um, are a direct result of being in deep state hell. The coup d'etat that put us in this situation. So the way you climb back, here's one of the ways to climb back out, all right? Constitutional Amendment. Congress shall not have the power to borrow money. Article 1, Section 8 of the Constitution shall be amended by striking Clause 2 to borrow money on the credit of the United States. That's it. That's Clause 2, to borrow money on the credit of the United States. Section 8, Clause 1 shall be amended, adding at the end, and Congress shall have no power to borrow money on the credit of the United States, nor to print money to cover expenses, nor authorize the purchase or holding of securities, nor to authorize or permit any central bank, nor to allow any control of money beyond Congress. This amendment shall take effect immediately upon ratification. That's it. That's it. That's the whole thing. The whole enchilada. That's the whole kit and caboodle. That's the entire constitutional amendment. In fact, most of it is right here. Article 1, Section 8 of the Constitution shall be amended by striking Clause 2 to borrow money on the credit of the United States. Once you take, strike that sentence, there's no power to borrow money on the credit of the United States. Congress can't borrow money on the credit of the United States. They have to go find some other way. Loan sharks? I don't know. Who's going to loan money to Congress? All right. So, so Article 1, Section 8 is all delegated powers to Congress. And it starts off Article 8, uh, Article 1, Section 8, Clause 1. Find that for you right here. This is where it all starts. Clause 1, the Congress. No, Section 8, Clause 1, Article 1. The Congress shall have the power to lay and collect taxes, duties, imposts, and excises, to pay the debts and provide for the common defense and general welfare of the United States, but all, but all duties, imposts, and excises shall be uniform throughout the United States. So then it says the Congress have the, shall have the power to, after the semicolon, to borrow money on the credit of the United States. Well, I'm taking out that sentence. So there is no power to borrow money on the credit of the United States. Well, there's no power to borrow money on the credit of the United States, and they can't borrow money. Well, if they can't borrow money, what happens? Oh, no. That means the only money they can spend is money they took in. Well, the states do that now, and they do just fine, right? Feds can do that, too. So here's what will happen. I might as well read you right from rationale. It's it's pretty, uh, pretty straightforward. Congress has proven since about 1900 that it cannot contain its borrowing. The temptation is simply too great. We are on a course of national economic suicide. The current national debt exceeds $32 trillion, an impossibly large sum to contemplate, yet it has to be paid back, and it can be paid back, as all the bonds sold to cover the debt mature over time. So what does that mean? The bonds, the treasury bills, treasury bonds, everything that uh, the government has issued to raise money so that Congress can borrow money, those have to be paid back every year with interest. Well, as the bonds are paid back and the interest is paid off, 
when the bonds are gone, if you don't make any more bonds, then you've actually lowered the national debt because you paid off some of the debt. The debt is treasury bonds, treasury bills, T-notes, all those kind of things like that. Anything the government issues you know, that people buy loans money to the government. Well, it has to be paid up with interest, right? So if you stop the issuing of treasury bills, bonds, notes, things like that, then the debt uh, will not increase anymore. It's done. The increasing stops. And they'll just have to spend money within their budget. They cannot, if they cannot borrow money, the only money they have available is what they take in in revenue, some $5 trillion. Well, if you can't run the, the, the country on $5 trillion, then you better find a new job. So that's how it works. Next paragraph. With no new borrowing, no printing to cover expenses, no government securities to create money out of nothing to pay for them, no Fed or any central bank, and no authority, foreign or domestic, like with central bank digital currency, CBDC, and with, with none of these things, the national debt will gradually disappear, eventually, since no new debt of any kind in any way can be created. So the national debt goes away as all the treasuries are paid off, the interest is paid off, the debt and the interest go eventually to zero in about, we figure, 40 years. Next paragraph. It is critical to understand that this clause cannot be overridden for any reason. Way too many Americans, all the way up to the highest levels of government, believe that rights can be limited and parts of the Constitution can be turned off for a, quote, just cause. National emergency, declared war, undeclared war, pandemic, or any number of other creative excuses, and it simply isn't true. This clause mandates fiscal and monetary discipline such that in the event of a crisis, Congress will have to use other means rather than borrowing to meet it. You got that? You can do what you want, but you can't borrow money. If the Chinese launch hypersonic missiles that will be here in 10 minutes, Congress is not to borrow money, right? Continuing with my, uh, my article here. Congress can build up savings in the Treasury, ask the states for money, cut spending, remove duplication and waste, eliminate fraud, audit all departments and agencies, go to zero-based budgeting, in other words, they all start from zero, abolish entitlements, make it impossible for illegal aliens to live here, limit legal immigration to replacement levels, privatize Social Security and Medicare, change unfunded mandates, increase the value of money through deflation of the money supply. That's what will happen when you stop borrowing, by the way. Lower taxes to increase revenue by making the economy grow, and undeclared wars and interventions. Uh, This is, uh, oh, and, not and, and undeclared wars and interventions. Cancel all current spending beyond revenues, comply fully with the delegated powers of the Constitution and many other viable options. They just have to try them. The elimination of the power to borrow money should result in a drastic reduction in the irrational spending of Congress on economic stimulus. Government created science on theories, government created science on theories like climate change, endless foreign wars, illegal mandates, corporate and personal welfare, foreign aid, unemployment, and the many agencies and departments not specifically enumerated in the Constitution. So it says elimination of power. i got to read my own writing. It's kind of mean. So you try reading your own writing and say, what did I mean there? Hmm. The elimination of the power to borrow money should result in a drastic reduction in the irrational spending of Congress on economic stimulus, government-created science on theories like climate change, endless foreign wars, illegal mandates, corporate and personal welfare, foreign aid, unemployment, and the many agencies and departments not specifically enumerated in the Constitution. Okay, now it makes sense. This should facilitate a return of much power to the states, much money to the treasury, and a drastic, drastically smaller and constitutionally compliant federal government. 
See, nothing bad comes out of this. But that's what it looks like. That is what it looks like. All right. So, uh, see, we got Marcos. I guess he's still there listening. I got nobody calling. Whew. Two hours into it. What am I going to do now? This is where we start improvising. <laughs> Kill me, play something kind of fun. Time for a jazz break. I've done jazz breaks. I need more stuff to play. Uh, let me play you one of my San Rosa Volunteers pieces. The Grievances. Yeah, let's play The Grievances. So these are The Grievances uh, from the Declaration of Independence. We read the uh, – de- oh, Marco's still there. Thank you. We read the Declaration of Independence on the air July 4th, uh, but it's got a list of grievances. Many of the grievances that they had in 1776 are still here today. The difference is instead of grieving against the, uh, the King of England, we're grieving against our own federal government. And this is what it sounds like. This is Greg Penkless for Action Radio with Founding Moments, insights into our founding documents, sponsored by Santa Rosa Volunteers here in Santa Rosa County, Florida. Santa Rosa Volunteers is available at their website, srv1776.com. That's srv1776.com. With July 4th coming up Sunday, I have to say something about the Declaration of Independence. Everyone knows the beginning words of the Declaration. We even have a founding moments on it. But the bulk of the Declaration consists of 27 grievances, some of which are just as applicable as a grievance today against our own federal government as they were against England when we were colonies. How could this happen? We have a Constitution. But Constitutions are only as valid as the oath people swear when they promise to support and defend the Constitution against all enemies, foreign and domestic. Let me highlight just a few of the grievances that are every bit as valid today as they were in 1776 and for exactly the same reasons. When the Declaration says, he, that's King George III. He, today, would be the entire federal government. He has refused his assent to laws, the most wholesome and necessary for the public good. Laws today are for special interests and more government power. He has erected a multitude of new offices and sent hither swarms of officers to harass our people and eat out their substance. The greatest danger we face is an out-of-control federal bureaucracy of endless officers, agencies, and departments. He has affected to render the military independent of and superior to the civil power. This is done today because Congress has delegated almost all their power to declare war to the president, something they have no power to do. He has combined with others to subject us to a jurisdiction foreign to our Constitution and unacknowledged by our laws, giving his assent to their acts of pretended legislation. Today, that would be international law, international courts, treaties or agreements not ratified by the Senate, climate accords, the United Nations, and all their various agencies. For imposing taxes on us without our consent. Did you know that the income tax and the withholding of money from your paycheck used to be unconstitutional? All kinds of taxes, fees, and burdens are placed on us, many of which are hidden. For depriving us in many cases of the benefits of trial by jury. We have plea bargains, uninformed jurors, corruption, money, prosecutorial misconduct, administrative trials and judges, and a multitude of judicial actions that do not involve a jury of our peers. Juries are never of our peers, either. 
for taking away our charters, abolishing our most valuable laws, and altering fundamentally the forms of our governments. Today, that would be abandoning the Constitution and governing by whatever the leftist deep state wants. For suspending our own legislatures and declaring themselves invested with power to legislate for us in all cases whatsoever. This would be all the governors, mayors, public health officials, and Dr. Fauci himself taking over our government during a bogus pandemic of their making, stealing our rights, imposing illegal lockdowns and mask mandates not based on any science, and simply declaring whatever orders they wanted with no legislature or due process at all. It's still going on. He has plundered our seas, ravaged our coasts, burnt our towns, and destroyed the lives of our people. This could happen if the government takes our guns, which is why I say, except for the military, we need to take their guns. He has excited domestic insurrections amongst us and has endeavored to bring on the inhabitants of our frontiers, the merciless Indian savages, whose known rule of warfare is an undistinguished destruction of all ages, sexes, and conditions. Today, you can see how Black Lives Matter, Antifa, the FBI, and other rioting mercenaries of the deep state are being used to enforce Marxist theories like critical race theory and climate change, not to mention the false pandemic of COVID, which are all designed to create fear, depression, hopelessness, compliance, conformity, groupthink, and political correctness, all for the state. So just substitute Indians for all the groups in and out of government that are being used by government against us, and this problem is exactly the same. So the question is, what are your grievances, and what are you going to do about it? I created Action Radio so that we the people could write the laws we consent to be governed by and reverse the process where they, the government, order us to comply with their laws, orders, and decisions. This is Greg Penglis for Action Radio with Founding Moments, sponsored by Santa Rosa Volunteers. Their website is srv1776.com. That's srv1776.com. Please share this report to anyone who needs it. attention again um yeah that's uh, pretty interesting stuff you know it's amazing how uh, how nothing's changed that all power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely and whether it's a monarchy or a coup d'etat it's still corrupt all right let's go through some some news stories here and just to let you know how bad the deep state is first one comes to us from the america first report one of my favorites jd rucker uh this is from august 2nd so yesterday who says rigged obama appointed j6 that's january 6 hating judge presiding over trump case worked at same law firm as hunter biden well isn't that interesting see this is uh this is an incestuous leftist family and so what's going on with trump is a completely bogus prosecution what i'm wondering is why the state of florida ashley moody our attorney general hasn't uh, prosecuted uh Jack Smith in New York, you know, why they haven't uh, hauled them in for prosecutorial misconduct against a citizen of the state of Florida. That's what they should do. That's my care for this is to start bringing, uh, you know, FBI personnel and uh, and Department of Justice personnel in 
Um, here, if they can take Trump from Florida to New York, make him appear up there, you know, why can't uh, Florida make uh, New York, you know, federal officials appear in Florida? And that's the answer to Trump, you know. And uh, Well, in other words, the, the trumped-up charges, if I may be so, you know, pun-ish. <laughs> there we go. So J.D. Rucker says, if President Trump had drawn Satan as the judge for his upcoming trial over the January 6th mostly peaceful protest, it might have been better that the judge he actually got. It might be better. It might have been better than the judge he actually got. Yes, true. D.C. federal judge Tanya Chutkan, who I talked about yesterday, was appointed by Barack Obama, who absolutely hates Donald Trump and everything American, right? She has been pushing the hardest, harshest possible sentences for every January 6th political prisoner that has hit her courtroom. See, now, you notice everybody's calling in political prisoners now. Who started that? You know, me, like two years ago, right? January 6th political prisoner that had, and also started calling it the DCP Gulag. So uh, we are on the cutting edge. I mean, we just are. Anyway, he says, add to and to that. And to add insult to injury, there we go, I'm sorry, reading is not my specialty. And to add insult to injury, she worked at the same law firm as Hunter Biden. You can't make this stuff up. So, so what did Hunter Biden actually do at the law firm? Does he have a law degree? Where from? What's the matter you? <laughs> and now, frostbite balls, what's the matter you? Please listen, it's mighty important. Hey, rookie, watch me pull a ribbon out of my head. That's where what's the matter you comes from, Bullwinkle. According to Mark Pellin at Headline USA, this is back to J.D. Rucker, the judge tapped to oversee the J6 prosecution being brought in by the Biden Justice Department, well, that's a contradiction, against Donald Trump, has deep ties to the Democrat Party, and previously worked at the same law firm with Hunter Biden. So you see how this all works, right? Okay. So you got Merrick Garland, who's a Democrat deep operative running uh, uh, the Department of Justice at the Attorney General's office. You've got Jack Smith, a deep state hack Democrat, whose bogus prosecutions are legendary. Um, you've got a judge, you know, who's part of the Democrat deep state you know, operation, all these people are all the same thing. They're all part of the same club. They're all part of the same, you know, terrorist, domestic terrorist operation. They're all part of the same traitorous uh, organization. They're all the same. That's the problem. This is a completely rigged uh, thing. You, this would never happen randomly. Randomly, it would be impossible for all these events to take place. And the fact that Trump was indicted in, in a, with a D.C. jury, right, but yet the prosecutors in New York, how'd that happen? You know, there's so much wrong with it. So what Trump needs to do once he gets elected is, is basically fire all these people. And, of course, the left will go, what about your prosecutions? What about your cases? And Trump should announce, well, those are bogus anyway. They never had any, any legal merit. So we just, you know, fired the people for being incompetent. Then he says, J.D. Rucker says who, what, what Mark Palin said. The Obama-appointed federal judge also has expressed a strong dislike of Trump, which means she, could rec- she should recuse herself, right? And from the bench has brutalized January 6th protester call, protesters calling them insurrectionists and meeting out exceedingly harsh sentences. Do, do we have a um, constitutional provision against cruel and unusual punishment and excessive bail and excessive jail terms? I think we do. Yeah, seems to me that's in the Bill of Rights. So this judge should be immediately removed for bad behavior. Back to the article. D.C. federal judge Tanya Chutkan, who purportedly was randomly selected. Yeah, right. In a pig's eye. No, that's like when uh, Hillary Clinton, you know, made a, what, a 10,000% profit on cattle futures that nobody ever does? Yeah, randomly. Just a random event. Just randomly, Jack Smith in New York, randomly indicted Trump, randomly from a D.C. jury, randomly, you know, with, a, with a, the judge from hell you know, presiding over the case. It's all random. Nothing to see here. Shiny object. Anyway, so she worked at the Democrat collaborative law firm, uh, Boys Schiller... Flexner 
for 12 years before she was confirmed in 2014 as a federal judge. Is she even a, I guess she's a lawyer. Where did she go to law school? What's the matter, you two? <laughs> the other campus. Uh, confirmed 2014 judge. According to replies, Chukan provided to a Senate questionnaire for judicial nominees. Reviewed by Headline USA, Chukan's tenure at BSF overlapped Hunter Biden's stint at the same law firm where he was listed as counsel from 20, 2009 to 2014. Isn't that interesting that Hunter Biden was at a law firm uh, during Obama's entire second term? <laughs> 2009 to 2014. What a coincidence. Oh, that's fascinating. As Joe Biden, his father's vice president, the son is at a law firm with a future judge uh, of Trump. He says, as I've noted before, this, this entire debacle is designed to distract us from news of undeniable corruption from the Biden crime family. Yeah, well, we know all that stuff. All right, so let me pull up another one for you here. Here's another slightly different conversation. And then I might get to my... Uh, my, my Mark Thornton economics piece. CO2 Coalition, Nobel laureate John Klauser. I can confidently say there is no climate crisis, no real climate crisis. Should I read that again, just in case you missed it and you, you spit your coffee across the room? I can confidently say there is no real climate crisis. This is the CO2 Coalition. This is Dr. John F. Klauser, recipient of the 2022 Nobel Prize in Physics. Those guys are no dummy, right? was elected to serve on the board of directors of the CO2 coalition earlier this year. During a speech to the 2023 Quantum Korea Conference, I wonder who they are, he stated categorically, quote, I can confidently say there is no real climate crisis. So anytime you hear climate, CO2, net zero, you know, 15-minute cities, it's a bunch of crap. It's just communism. We don't have a climate crisis. We have a communism crisis. Anyway, article says during a recent interview with Epic Times, not Epoch, it's Epic, E-P-O-C-H, Epic, Dr. Klauser, Dr. Klauser, yeah, stated, we are totally awash in pseudo, in other words, fake science. Further, he identified the United Nations Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, the IPCC, as, quote, one of the worst sources of dangerous misinformation. See, the problem is with misinformation isn't the government protecting us from misinformation. It's the government giving us misinformation. That's the problem. He says, despite his views being completely contrary to the consensus opinion on climate, he was invited to present a seminar on climate models. Well, that's the problem, models, right? So on July 27th, just before the date, the event was summarily canceled, oh no, by the director of the Independent Evaluation Office of the International Monetary Fund. Once again, the economics, right? So, so here's, a, here's a climate you know, event being sponsored by the International Monetary Fund. That's like the World Economic Forum doing anything with COVID. So how come it's always economic? You ever wonder about that? I think it's kind of funny too. So I got a decision. Should I end the show early or should I, or should I play my, my interview? Got a couple more articles here. Maybe I'll just let the show grow. Let me see what that interview is with uh, Mark Thornton because he's so good. This is from several years ago, but we're really playing the economy. WBY, Mark Thornton, Mark, 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 Mark. Uh, where is it? WBY, Mark, Mark, Mark Thornton. 42 minutes. Yeah, we got about, how much time do we have left? 41 minutes. <laughs> I'm already over time. Yeah, I'll think about it. We'll see. I've been learning. I've done that. Oh, this is this article is actually funny. So the New York Post um, has gone completely overboard. Now, the best person there is Miranda Devine. I think she's the editor. 
but I think it's still owned by Rupert Murdoch. You know, so uh, even though you have an Australian, Miranda Devine, uh, as one of the chief writers or editors or editorial page writers, you've still got a, a, a New York liberal, you know, news uh, paper, which has a really funny story. Right? This is how bad the misinformation gets. This is who are the six co-conspirators in Trump's latest indictment on election interference. So she's already assuming that he's guilty, that there are co-conspirators that are also guilty, and that uh, this, is, this is actually a valid prosecution. None of those things are true, but that's what, that's what we're assuming. Uh, and this is dated August 1st, so a couple of days ago. Who are the six co-conspirators? Written by Caitlin Dumbos, or as I would call her, Dumbass. That probably should be called that all the way through school. So Caitlin Dumbass, spelled D-O-O-M-B-O-S, says, Dayline Washington, former President Donald Trump. See, that's the problem. When you see former president, it should be President Donald Trump because he won the election, right? So if you're supporting the coup, you say former president. If you're supporting the law, you say president, right? President Donald Trump was indicted in court on Tuesday for allegedly, in other words, that means they have no proof. See, uh, no, allegedly means they, they think they have proof. So the difference between allegation and, no, and, yeah, allegedly means, means they have no proof. So if you're alleging something, you're just, you're just saying it. If you're, if you're making accusation, then you have to have proof. So the difference between an allegation and an accusation is an accusation has proof with it. I accuse you of doing this, and here's my proof. An allegation is, well, I think you did it. There's <laughs> a big difference, right? Although people think of the words interchangeable, they're not. President Donald Trump was indicted in federal court on Tuesday for allegedly making knowingly false claims of voter fraud and sending rioters to the Capitol on January 6th. Okay, first of all, they weren't rioters. They were Trump supporters. Secondly, uh, it says allegedly making knowingly false claims. So in other words, it's a crime. It's a crime now. So it's okay to make false claims, apparently under the law. But if you make knowingly false claims, in other words, if you knew the claims were false, now that's a crime. I can make all kinds of uh, knowingly false claims. Joe Biden is the president. That is a knowingly false claim. Anybody that says that should be in jail, which would include the entire leftist media because they say it every day. Joe Biden is president. That's not true. We know it's not true, categorically. That is a knowingly false claim. So by their standards, everybody who says President Joe Biden should be in jail, right? Knowingly false claims of voter fraud and some voters rioters. Rioters. What's a rioter? And how did they riot exactly? Was it rioters like BLM, Black Lives Matter, destroying cities? No. Was it rioters like Antifa? No. Was it like a Klan rally? No. And these are all Democrat organizations. That's why I mentioned them. Uh, was it uh, Rodney King riot? No. What did the Trump supporters do? Well, they walked in with cell phones and they stayed within the lines. You know, they, they stayed within the velvet ropes, you know, and, and, t- and took selfies. That's not a riot. That's a distraction. The real fraud went on under the Capitol. I'm going to about that. Article says when Trump, uh, while Trump is the only person charged in the crimes so far, the 45-page indictment includes references to six unnamed co-conspirators. Well, they're not a co-conspirator if they didn't do anything wrong. Remember innocent until proven guilty? Remember we talked about compliance cost payments? This is exactly why I'm going to write this bill. So all these people should have their compliance costs with this investigation paid up front. See everything circles back? I'm like Jim Pisaki. <laughs> Saki, that's what I call it, Jen Saki. So Jen Saki, <laughs> okay, we're circling back. Everything comes back to everything else. All right. And so here we go. Let's talk about this. So Trump's going to co-conspirators. Special counsel Jack Smith. Oh, yeah, he's special, all right. He's real special. <laughs> he, he's specially uh, insane. Special counsel Jack Smith said Tuesday the six individuals remain under investigation for their role in the former president's, there we go again, 
attempt to overthrow the election he lost. How do you overthrow an election you lost? I, I'm, just, I'm just curious. How do you overthrow an election in the United States? Let's talk about that, okay? So the election takes place over uh, every precinct uh, of every county, of every state, military bases, plus absentee ballots, plus all kinds of stuff. How do you overthrow that? How does one person overthrow that? You can't. So this is a bogus statement, right? So, so when, when you start analyzing things and you realize how much BS they are, it's really kind of funny, but tragically funny because people actually believe this nonsense, right? So it says we're talking about uh, – so, so not only is Trump being accused – they're going to throw him in jail for making a false claim, in other words, a mistake. <laughs> you know, so even if it's a false claim, um, it's still you – know, at worst, it's a mistake. So they're throwing him in jail. They're really throwing him in jail because he's pointing out that they stole the election. That's what it's all about. This is about putting Trump in jail for telling the truth. So the truth is now a crime. They're making the truth a crime, right? Think about that. So then it says, uh, Jack Smith said Tuesday, the six individuals remain under investigation for their role in the former president's attempt. For, what's their role? Are we talking about guilt by association? <clears throat> in other words, they know President Trump, therefore they're, they're co-conspirators, but they're not co-conspirators. They're co-conspirators until proven guilty. All right? Right now, they're citizens. They're just individuals. So again, the prejudice in this obviously prejudiced article by what name? Dumbass. <laughs> Who's dumbass? Caitlin Dumbass, D-O-O-M-B-O-S, Caitlin Dumbass, uh, is, is basically making stuff up. How does it go on the New York Post? I don't know. I actually like the New York Post, but not right now. Case Here we go. Here we go. Special Counsel Jack Smith. Yeah. Mr. Special. Quote, since the attack on our capital, well, the attack, there was no attack on the Capitol. They opened the doors. How do you call an attack when the Capitol Police open the doors and, like, the Price is Right say, come on down? They did. The Capitol Police waved everybody in. In fact, the, the operatives like, like Ray Epps actually pushed people into the Capitol. Come on in. We need you in here as a distraction for the coup that's taking place underneath as we twist the arms of Congress for seven hours to make sure that Brandon uh, is elected and the Trump electors are not even considered. That's called extortion. Uh, that's called treason. That's called insurrection. So the real insurrection took place under the Capitol, and I'm dying to get a member of Congress back on the show and say, so what did you all do for seven hours down there? Anybody talk to you about uh, voting for Brandon and not uh, voting for the Trump electors, even though, those are, even though the state legislatures put those uh, Trump electors forward enough to uh, give Trump the election? What about that? So what were you all doing for seven hours, and how come it's not in the congressional record? Hmm. See, the coup is not on the congressional record. I know I've looked. Since the attack on our capital, the quote, the Department of Justice has remained committed to ensuring accountability for those criminally responsible for what happened that day. Well, then they should arrest themselves. <laughs> okay. It's because the Department of Justice was a major backer of the coup, being a major backer of the deep state, being a major backer of the FBI operatives that went in there before the Trump supporters got there because Trump started his speech an hour late uh, to stop the Arizona count to make sure that Arizona, who had Trump electors, did not put those forward. So if you want to find out if you want an accountability, you better turn yourselves in. Jack Smith, Merrick Garland, FBI, DOJ, Deep State, Republican Party, Democrat Party, Antifa, Black Lives Matter, mercenaries. <laughs> turn yourselves in. If you want to share accountability, that's how you do it. Chris Ray. Have I forgotten anybody? Says this case brought, is brought consistent with our commitment and our investigation of other individual countries. Uh, other individuals continues. Well, you better start investigating yourselves because y'all did it. <laughs> okay. So the coup was still, so the only thing that was stolen on January 6th was, uh, was the election from Trump and given to Brandon. That's what was stolen. That was the insurrection. 
So it's interesting that the insurrectionists are in charge of the investigation of people that they want to blame for the insurrection to cover up their own insurrection. Is anybody following this? Mark, let's check with Marco again. Am I making sense here? <laughs> it's so twisted and so convoluted. It's like Alice in Wonderland. I feel like I'm talking in riddles all the time. Marco says, I saw some Jen Psaki uh, TV items. It seems so heavily scripted. I know everything is, but at least they make it seem uh, like it's not scripted. Hey, hey, Marco, guess what? We're not scripted here. <laughs> I'm literally making this up as I go. That's Action Radio. We don't script. What? Do, do, do you think do you think CJ knew she was going to talk about coffee and sex this morning? No, <laughs> I didn't either. But that's that's what makes the show fun. Back to the article. While Smith, that is very special agent Jack Smith. While Smith has not disclosed the names of those under investigation. Oh, because it's an ongoing investigation, so they don't have to say anything. I'll say that to the FBI. So when the FBI, you know, crashes my door in, takes my computer, you know, and 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 catches me, you know, in various uh, states of sleepwear, <laughs> you know, t-shirt, whatever, right? And, oh, you got to come with us now. Why? Why don't I come with you? So why don't you guys just call and we can make an appointment and talk? No, no, no. They're going to come crashing in with, you know, 50 uh, agents with uh, bulletproof vests and guns. And I go, hey, guys, come on in. So, you know, you want to stay a while? I'm like, no, we're taking down the headquarters. For what? No, I question you. Do you want to make a statement? No. <laughs> you know, I said, but uh, we're going to have some fun. <laughs> I said, you have no idea what the sarcasm you're about to come under. And I just talked to him. It'd be kind of, you know, when it happens. I almost feel like I'm missing out. You know, everybody else gets arrested but me. What, aren't I special enough to be arrested? What's going on here? Come on, FBI. FBI, KGB. Let's see what you got. You know, and if they kill me, I won't be there the next day. That's all. Life goes on. Right? It's too late. show's already out there. What are you going to do? Oh, we're going to take you off the air. We're going to erase your existence. We're going to take you. Too bad. It doesn't matter. Too many people know about this already. Ain't going to happen. Back to the article. While Smith has not disclosed the names of those under investigation, I read that. Okay. Da, 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 da. The post identified the most likely individual. So in other words, they're guessing, right? So whereas there are co-conspirators, we, we think, you know, based on rumor and innuendo, the New York Post from, uh, what's, from Caitlin Dumbass you know, has decided that they're just going to guess. You know, we're going we're gonna to slander and libel people uh, who we don't like. And make them seem like Trump, and we'll use the we'll use the the guise of investigative reporting to say we think these people are the most likely co-conspirators when actually they're slandering and libeling them, which they are which they are responsible for and can be sued for too. So let's see what Caitlin Dumbass. Let's see who she's picked for. <laughs> I'm really having fun today. Let's see who she's picked for the uh, uh, the most likely co-conspirators. Spirit number one, Rudy Giuliani. <laughs> Rudy Giuliani does a daily podcast where he says Trump won the election, Brandon's a fraud, and the entire Department of Justice is guilty of, uh, of crimes against his nation. Yeah, that's a good guess. <laughs> How long did it think of that one? Fellow New Yorker Rudy Giuliani, co-conspirator number one. Article says, from Caitlin Dumbass, perhaps the most well-known of the alleged co-conspirators, Trump's former attorney and prior New York City mayor basically saved New York after, after 9-11. Come on, guys. <laughs> who do you think did that? It was Rudy Giuliani. Rudy Giuliani is an American patriot who wants to America, make America great again. See, the problem is, you know, when you hear MAGA, the reason they don't say what MAGA means is they don't want you to know that it says make America great again. MAGA. See, these people are MAS. M-A-S. So all the leftists are MAS. That stands for make America stuck. <laughs> okay. Make it, this is what I say. And, and as we say, no MAS. So we're going to make T-shirts that say, no mas, you know, no, make America suck. You know, and that's what Trump, see, this is why Trump needs me on the campaign. I could tell him all this stuff, 
But no, nobody will connect me with the Trump campaign, so I can't give them all my brilliant ideas. I just have to tell you folks. All right. So no more. No more mas. No mas. Mas means more, by the way, in Spanish. No mas. No make America suck. Back to co-conspirator number one. I need dramatic music. You know. Oh, let me. In fact, uh, <laughs> it's time to play my Biden piece. So speaking of dark winter, so let's let's get in the mood to talk about Biden stuff, and I'll be I'll be right back. Joe Biden's dark winter. No freedom, no liberty, no guns, no representation, no oil, no coal, no nuclear power, no space force, no constitution, no family gatherings, no vacations, just taxes, work, misery, masks, lockdowns, and ever more government. This is what will happen if you let Marxists steal the election. This has been a public service announcement of Action Radio, reminding you it's time to get off your butt and save your country. Hmm. Keep in mind, I made that before the 2020 election. So I said, if you let Marxists steal the election, thinking that uh, they wouldn't, that we actually have a, have a decent election, Trump would win, and uh, things would be great. Well, apparently it didn't work out that way. Co-conspirator number one, Rudy Giuliani, an attorney who was willing to spread knowingly false claims and pursue strategies that the defendant's 2020 re-election campaign attorneys would not. The indictment says of the individual uh, believed to be Giuliani. So, the, so let, me, let me see if I can break this down for you. So the person they think is a co-conspirator because they think he said or, or because he, they think he spread knowingly false claims, which are different than false claims. Okay, so false claims, I guess, was when you you unknowingly spread them. Okay, you know the Earth is flat. I, I believe it. Yeah, right. We didn't land on the moon, so there's there's a there's an unknowingly false claim. A lot of people say that. We did a show on that, right? So, but if it's a knowingly false claim, somehow that's that's illegal, right? Why is it illegal to knowingly spread a false claim? Advertisers do it all the time. The vaccine is safe and effective. That's a knowingly false claim because they know it's dangerous and deadly, right? So there's a knowingly false claim. Uh, the election of 2020 was the fairest and uh, freest election of all time. That's a knowingly false claim because they know the election was stolen. But what are some of the other knowingly false claims out there? Um, Brandon got more votes than any other president in history. <laughs> That's a knowingly false claim. You know, uh, World War I, making the world safe for democracy. Uh, That's a false claim. Uh, we went, uh, you know, uh, Bush when he said that... Um, you know, Iraq has uh, weapons of mass destruction. That was a knowingly false claim. I mean, it, the list goes on and on and on. I do not have sex with that woman, Monica Lewinsky. That was a knowingly false claim. I don't see Clinton, Clinton being arrested for it. So the idea of, of knowingly false claims being a standard of justice is absurd. Completely absurd, right? Because people make knowingly false claims all the time. They're called advertisers, <laughs> even though we have a Federal Trade Commission to prosecute them. Politicians, knowingly false claims. Every, every promise that a politician makes that they don't intend to carry out is a knowingly false claim. So if your standard of justice is knowingly false claims, you've got a pretty long list of people to prosecute. Pretty much everybody that's ever run for office. Except Trump. Trump's the only person I know that actually wanted to uh, or tried to you know, do the things that he promised. But uh, Mike Pence, Ron DeSantis, Brandon. You think Brandon you know, intended to do everything he said he was going to do? Of course not. Well, that's a knowingly false claim, right? If that's your standard of justice, knowingly false claims. Climate change is a knowingly false claim because they know, because when they look at the real models, they know there's no climate change. That's why they have to make fake models. 
So that becomes a knowingly false claim. Okay? We have to make things sustainable or we'll all die. That's a knowingly false claim. Okay? I mean, knowingly false claims are everywhere. <laughs> you know, but we don't arrest people for them. But if that's your standard, okay, if your standard of justice that the, the, uh, the Department of Injustice, the, the FBI KGB, if their standard is we're going to go after people we think are co-conspirators, we're just going to make it up, and we're going to go after them for what we think are knowingly false claims, even though we know the false, the false claims are actually true because we caused the insurrection because we stole the government, you know, then, uh, then that's, that's an interesting fabrication. So the defense, so, so the, uh, the, the reason that they're prosecuting these imaginary co-conspirators is so that the imaginary co-conspirators don't prove that the insurrectionists are actually the insurrectionists that stole the government. So the defense against the people who stole the government, the real people, the deep state, is that they're going to prosecute other people for making false claims that they actually stole the government when we know they did. You guys all keeping up with this? This is a fascinating time to be alive. Back to the New York Post article by Caitlin Dumbass. Giuliani had a... Giuliani? First name, please? Mr. Rudy Giuliani? Okay, a little respect here. Giuliani had a key role in pushing the false, narr- oh, false narrative now. So it's not only a false claim, it's a false narrative. Now, a knowingly false narrative the same as a knowingly false claim. This is getting complicated. What's the charge here? They say pushing the false narrative that the election was stolen and fraudulent as part of what prosecutors said was a methodical plan to overturn the results. Wait a minute. You can claim all day, which is true, by the way, that the election was stolen, that the the results were fraudulent. You can claim that all day. That does not in and of itself overturn the result, the stolen results. Okay. So, and the proof is the fact that Brandon's still in the White House, right? So if... Making the claim that the election was stolen is enough to overthrow the election, then Brandon wouldn't be in the White House because making the claim would have forced him to leave, right? So there's another flaw in their logic. So as they say that the claims, the false claims, are somehow dangerous in a crime, the effect of that crime has been nothing. Nothing's happened. Nothing's changed. There's a defense for you, Trump lawyers. Okay, you guys listening? Rudy Giuliani and Rudy Giuliani lawyers. Here's your defense. If the crime is making a false claim, who's the victim? What's the effect of the crime? What was stolen by making the false claim? Nothing. Because all the deep state people are still there. Has anybody lost their job? No. Has anything that Brandon's wanted to do been held up other than the occasional vote in Congress? No. So the net result of these allegedly false claims is nothing. So if there's no crime and there's no there's no victim and there's no result and there's nothing, you know, it's like uh, do you do you it's like it's like accusing somebody of thinking to rob a bank. Well, I thought about it. Did you do it? No. Well, so so you made a you made a, a claim that uh, you were going to rob a bank, and that's a crime. So we're going to arrest you for saying you wanted to rob a bank, but I didn't I didn't rob a bank. I didn't steal anything. I, there's, there's no victim. There's no money. I don't you know doesn't matter. You made a false claim. You said you were going to rob a bank and you didn't do it. <laughs> you see how bad this gets? This gets totally absurd after a while. Here we go. Back to the article. Back to Caitlin Dumbass. I just like saying that. That's why I keep repeating it. All right. Her name is Doombas. Let's spell it for you one more time here. Doombas. Where, where's Doombas? Caitlin. C-A-I-T-L-I-N. So, so in case, my name is Greg Penglis. G-R-E-G-P-E-N-G-L-I-S. So if Caitlin Dumbass, if you want to come after me, then that's how you do it. Caitlin. D-O-O-M. B-O-S. It'd be doom boss. She's full of doom boss. But dumbass is more fun to say. Hey, if uh, if, if Trump can say, uh, you know, uh, creepy Joe or, or uh, 
uh, what is it? What do you call Hillary? He used to call it not illegal Hillary, criminal, what, criminal Hillary? Now what do you call it? Anyway, criminal Joe. All, all the names that Trump makes up for people. Well, I can do it too. Dumbass. <laughs> it's just fun to say. I'm sorry. I haven't done much fun here. All right. So back to the article. I got five more co-conspirators to go. A rep for Giuliani criticized the indictment as punishment for anyone who dares to oppose the ruling regime. Well, that's true. Co-conspirator number two, John Eastman. Have anybody, has he, you guys ever heard of John Eastman? Why, why would he be a co I know who John Eastman is. He, he, he's at the Claremont Institute. He's the one that said that uh, birthright citizenship is a total fraud. He's the one that said a bunch of different things. Let's say what they say, he said. <laughs> Co-conspirator number two, John Eastman. Attorney, attorney John Eastman, oh, there we go, he's an attorney, is credited with devising the legal scheme that set the plot in motion. <gasps> he's the co-conspirator that set a plot in motion that didn't do anything. <laughs> Where there are no victims, no crimes. So he, so he, he actually devised the, the, the knowingly false claim scheme. Is that what they're accusing him of? Back to the article. In a two-page memo, Eastman laid out a, a six-step plan claiming then-Vice President Mike Pence didn't have to accept the election results of certain swing states, which Pence rejected. That is true, by the way. So it is Pence who committed the crime of insurrection of overthrowing the government by rejecting valid Trump electors put forward by the state legislators because the state legislators, the state legislatures control the electors for president. Now, the Supreme Court and other bogus people uh, have gotten around that by saying that's the independent state legislature theory. Yes, it is. And it's perfectly valid because it's right in the Constitution. Okay, so those that say that's an invalid theory are actually saying that the Constitution is invalid, which you can't do. So when John Eastman said in his six step plan, you know, it's like it's like uh, what's your 10 point plan? It's like a five year plan from the communists. All right. Six step plan claiming then vice president Mike Pence didn't have to accept the election results. He didn't, <laughs> um, you know, uh, and what he did have to accept what he did, what he should have done. And we've all talked about this many times is sent the Trump electors and the Brandon electors back to the states where they had two slates of electors and said, look, guys, you got to come up with one. Okay? Send us the electors that you want to send. And, of course, the state legislatures would have sent the Trump electors. And then it was up to Mike Pence, you know, when the governors, uh, the Democrat governors and the Democrat secretaries of state, you know, certified Brandon electors, you know, when they lost in their state or when they cheated or, or when the state legislature sent Trump electors, those Brandon electors were invalid. So the next check and the first check in the process is the state legislature say, okay, we're going to dump the branded electors. We're certifying the Trump electors. That's the only slate. Here they go. Do not count the branded electors. And Mike Pence should have said, if you were a decent person and law abiding, who said, okay, we'll put the Trump electors in and Trump wins the election, right? That's the first check. Second check. Mike Pence says, well, you've got two slates of electors. Um, we got to consider that in Congress. Uh, and we're going to take uh, the, the valid ones, of course, are the ones from the state legislature. So we'll throw out the electors from the, go- the Democrat governors and the uh, Democrat secretaries of state, or even the Republican secretaries of state, and we'll take the ones the state legislators put forward, the Trump electors. That's the second check on the system. Mike Pence violated both of those. So what, what co-conspirator John Eastman is actually doing is guilty of reading the Constitution. That's what he's guilty of. Apparently, that's a crime in the Biden insurrection. The Brandon insurrection is a crime to read and use the Constitution. Let's go back to Marco. He says, you're not on TV. 
<laughs> I forgot where that Margaret, where did that come from? I'm not I know I'm not on TV. It's just my, my voice echoing in your head right now. <sighs> an attorney who devised an uh ad oh an attorney who devised ad attempted to implement a strategy to leverage the vice president's ceremonial role overseeing the certification proceeding to obstruct the certification of the presidential election. Oh, really? Oh, there we go. So here we go. In a two-page memo, Eastman laid out a six-step plan, da-da-da-da, have to accept the election results, which Pence rejected. Okay, so here's Pence's problem. Pence is an idiot. He also thinks he's going to be the Republican nominee because he sabotaged Trump. That's what he thinks. That was a, we did a show on that, too, how Pence thinks because he illegally sabotaged Donald Trump by violating the Constitution, the deep state's going to love him. He's made his bones, and now he'll get to be the Republican nominee. Ain't going to happen, Mike. Idiot. I'm not even sure what the sentence means. An, an attorney who devised ad, who devised ad, attempted to implement a strategy to leverage. I'm not going to read that. That's that's boring. Anyway, Eastman did not return a comment. Why would he? Hmm. Co-conspirator number three, Sidney Powell. Actually met Sidney Powell. Remember Release the Kraken? Let's say that's all anybody remembers. Sidney Powell has a, has a book, License to Lie. In other words, how lawyers don't have to tell the truth. They just don't. It's really funny. Um, anyway, so I met Sidney Powell at the 2018 CPAC convention when she looked like she was struggling with a bunch of uh, T-shirts in a box, which I helped her carry to her presentation. I didn't know who she was. She said, I said, who are you? She says, I'm Sydney Powell. I said, wow, I'm Greg Pengos. Who are you? Well, I wrote a book, License to Lie, and she gave me about 100 cards. And I said, well, come on my show then. She hasn't been on my show yet, but we'll work on it. I need, I need like the echo voice. So let me try this if I can't hear. Co-conspirator number three, Sydney Powell. Article says from Caitlin Dumbass, Trump brought Sidney Powell onto his legal team to pursue false claims of voter fraud following the 2020 election. So how do you do that exactly? Do you, do you put that in a resume requirement? You know, looking for a, uh, a lawyer to pursue false claims of voter fraud. <laughs> Did you actually say that? It's kind of funny, actually. <clears throat> the article says she infamously made the bogus claim that Dominion voting system machines swapped voter solutions from Trump to Biden with the help of Smartmatic software. The charge was proven false. No, actually, no, it wasn't. The charge was proven true. You know, they, the, the insurrection said it was false because that would have proven them to be the insurrection. The coup proved it, you know, wanted to prove it false because that, that was how they stole the election. Okay. So they had to say it was false. It wasn't proven false. It was actually proven true. So it says he infamously made the bogus claim. Let me, let me read this in proper English. Sidney Powell claimed rightly that Dominion Voting Systems machines swapped voter selections from Trump to Biden with the help of Smartmatic software. That is true. Quote, an attorney whose unfounded claims of election fraud the defendant private knowledge to others sounded crazy, the indictment said of co-conspirator number three. So, Sidney Powell is guilty of stating that the election was stolen by voting machines and Smartmatic, Dominion voting machines and Smartmatic software. So what is she guilty of? She's guilty of telling the truth about the insurrection. Hmm. This is how you shut people up, by the way, in a dictatorship. You accuse them of the opposite of what they did to cover the crimes that you actually did, that they said you did, and then you uh, lock them up and don't let them talk. Almost done. Co-conspirator number four, Jeffrey Clark. I don't even know who this is. Jeffrey Clark was a mid-level Justice Department official who planned to send election officials in several states a letter that falsely claimed that the DOJ had, quote, identified significant concerns about votes in their states. The DOJ had identified significant concerns about votes in their states. Otherwise, he wouldn't have written the letter. 
The letter would lead to Trump's alleged, quote, fake elector scheme, suggesting that the official send a separate slate of electors supporting Donald J. Trump to Congress for consideration on January 6th, according to testimony from the hearing. Well, that's actually what, what, what happened, but that's okay, because that's the way it's supposed to work. The, the state legislators, legislatures sent Trump electors, when they won their state, to a Congress to be counted on January 6th. That's the proper procedure. Congress then has the option to debate those. If a representative and a senator, one of each, say, you know what? I don't want to contest these results. We've got to debate these. Then they go into a session, they debate for two hours, and they vote. Which slate is the real electors? Okay? That's what they're supposed to do. See, see they couldn't, the deep state couldn't afford that the, the Trump electors would be voted for. That's why they stopped the proceedings in Arizona. It's, it's no coincidence that the, that the deep state coup began when Arizona was called to check on their electors. Arizona is the first battleground state. Arizona is the first state with two slates of electors, right? You had Trump electors from the legislature, the Republican legislature, and you had Democrat fraud branded electors from the governor, Democrat, um, and uh, the secretary of state. Right? So who are the battleground states? Arizona, Nevada, New Mexico, Michigan, Minnesota, Georgia, Pennsylvania, Arizona, New Mexico, Nevada, Michigan, Minnesota, Pennsylvania, Georgia. I think those are seven of them. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Yep, that's it. They all have Trump electors. So the Trump electors are still out there. That's why they're trying to arrest them in Michigan, right? So everybody who knows anything about the election knows that the Trump electors were voted for by the lawful constitutional authority of the state legislatures. So if you're going to steal an election, you have to stop the, the actual electors from voting. Well, how did they do that? Well, they declared them fake electors, right? That's what this is all about. So the whole idea of calling these, these lawful Trump electors as fake electors is to not let them vote for Trump, because if they do vote for Trump, Trump wins the election. So the way they stopped the election was they stopped the duly elected, legislator-approved Trump electors from casting ballots for Trump by putting fake Brandon electors who cast votes for Brandon. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the coup. That's it. So if you want to stop people knowing about the coup, if you want to demonize the people who know how the coup was working, you say that the, that the, elector, the Trump electors were fake, when it's actually the Trump electors are the real ones. Again, everything gets reversed by projection. So who's Jeffrey Clark? Clark, here's the article. Clark proposed sending a letter to officials in key states that, this, that said the Justice Department had identified significant concerns about the vote and that the states should consider sending a separate slate of electors supporting Donald J. Trump, which I think some of them did, for Congress to approve, according to the hearing testimony from the House January 6th Committee. That's what, that, I think that's what they did, and that's the, that's the right thing to do. Almost done. Two more. Co-conspirator number five, J- Ken Cheesebro from Caitlin Dumbass. Ken Cheesebro was the first Trump attorney to suggest the scheme to form groups of electors loyal to Trump in the key state Joe Biden won in 2020. Let me translate that into proper English. Ken Cheesebro was the first Trump attorney to put forward that the Trump electors, the lawful Trump electors from the state legislatures, should go forward to Congress. Okay. Then it says he later linked up with Eastman and Giuliani. Oh, more co. Are those the co co conspirators? <laughs> okay. To help coordinate the bogus slates. Well, uh, of electors in six swings. You see the pattern here? You see the pattern? All of these people put forward the constitutional procedure that the state legislatures 
controlled the election. The state legislatures put forward Trump electors, and therefore, because they followed the lawful constitutional procedure, the only way to steal the government was to use unlawful procedures and say that they were lawful and say that people using the lawful procedures were unlawful. It's exactly the same as COVID, right? What did COVID do? What did Dr. Fascist and Big Pharma, Big Health, Big Government, Big you know, Nazi Health, all those people, what did they do? They took the lawful drugs, hydroxychloroquine, ivermectin, that worked and cured COVID, and made them unlawful, made them illegal, saying you can't use them. And they took the illegal experimental COVID shot that's killing and injuring so many people and said, well, we have to use this because we have no alternative. This is the only game in town. We have to use, an ex- that's the only way they got the experimental use authorization was saying there were no other viable products. That's in the law. You cannot have, use an experimental drug if an approved drug is available. And that makes sense. That's a good law. All right. But because they didn't want to use the approved drugs because they didn't cost anything, they were dirt cheap, right? What, 20 cents for a hydroxychloroquine tablet? Take about five of those, you're done. So you can cure COVID for a dollar. Let this make anybody any money. All right. And they, didn't, they, weren't, they weren't interested in saving people. They were interested in making money. Right? So what you do is you take the, the, the almost free cures, hydroxychloroquine, ivermectin, zinc, azithromycin. Maybe that's more expensive. Uh, vitamin C, vitamin D. So forget the azithromycin because that's, that's for pneumonia. But if you just take the, the, um, the basics, the COVID basics right? from Dr. Zelenko, vitamin D, vitamin D3 actually, vitamin D3, vitamin C, hydroxychloroquine or ivermectin and zinc. That's it. Zinc is a mineral. You get that as a supplement. Same thing with vitamin D and vitamin C. Those are supplements. You get them in your food or you, you get supplements. You probably need more if you've got COVID. So you supplement your vitamin D, you supplement your vitamin C, you supplement your zinc, and you pick up some hydroxychloroquine or ivermectin cheaply. Then you cure COVID. That's it. No vaccine, no fuss, no muss, no problem. Well, see, big pharma and big tech and big government couldn't have that because they wanted to make trillions of dollars. So what they do? They said that the cures that work are illegal and the things that will kill you, remdesivir and ventilators, are the only things you can use. And a million people died. Big surprise. But big pharma, big tech, big government got rich, so they don't care, right? So they took the legal and the effective and that worked and made it illegal so they could take the illegal and make it legal. That's exactly what happened in the coup. That is exactly what happened in the coup. They took the legal Trump certified electors from the battleground states, from the state legislatures, as constitutionally provided, constitutionally provided for. And they said that the legal electors were illegal so they could make their illegal Brandon electors legal. Well, not legal, but they could put them forward. And how did they do that? They staged a coup. And what did the coup involve? It involved a million Trump supporters, as many as possible, walking into the Capitol through open doors so they could say there was an insurrection while they did the real insurrection under the Capitol, saying you cannot vote for the lawful Trump electors put forward by the state legislatures. You have to vote for the fake branded electors. That was the coup. And this is where we are. See if I can find Article 1, I think it's Section 4, talks about the state, uh, talks about the electors. I think it's article one, section four. House of Representatives, section two, section three. Section four. The times, places, and manner of holding elections for senators and representatives shall be prescribed in each state by the legislature thereof. Let me try that again. The times, places, and manner, in other words, how you do it, 
of holding elections for senators and representatives shall be prescribed in each state by the legislature thereof. But the Congress, and this is, I think, a mistake in the Constitution. There's very few, but this one's a big one. But the Congress may at any time by law make or alter such regulations except as to the places of choosing senators. Why? Because senators are chosen by the, the state legislature. So this Congress can't do that. So there it goes, by the state legislatures. Let me see where it talks about electors. Each house may be described the rules of its proceedings. Each house keeps a journal. All right. So I've got to find out where the house... So in other words, the manner of holding elections. And since electors are... Oh, here's how it, here's how it works. Since electors are part of elections, part of the, of the manner of holding elections includes the choosing of electors, the, that still falls to the responsibility of the state legislature. Right in the Constitution, Article 1, Section 4. Do, 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 do. Let's go back to... I've got a few minutes left. I'm going to finish this in five minutes. We're going to make it, right? I can't believe I, I talked this long. It was kind of funny. Co-conspirator Ken Cheesebro from Caitlin Dumbass said he also plotted to get a case challenging George's election results before Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas, one of the good people, because, quote, the conservative justice was on was their only chance to derail congressional vote count certifying the election. Well, actually, that would have been a good thing to do because uh, obviously Clarence Thomas is one of the very few people actually following the Constitution in the federal government. The Congress didn't. In fact, the Supreme Court didn't follow it either. Texas brought a, uh, a case against New York, uh, no, it was against uh, Pennsylvania, Georgia, and the other states, the battleground states, saying, look, you disenfranchised us. You cheated. You took away our votes, you know, by putting somebody in that uh, our state didn't vote for. You know, you, you took away the votes of Texans by watering it down with illegal votes. You can't do that. That was mandatory for the Supreme Court to take. They had no choice. They had to take that case. And yet they didn't. So they also, except, except for Sam Alito and Clarence Thomas, who voted to take the case, the rest of them should have been thrown out right there. Uh-oh. Co-conspirator six, unknown. So they, they couldn't find anybody to make up for the last one. <laughs> Sorry, Caitlin, dumbass. <laughs> Unlike the first five co-conspirators listed in the indictment, the identity of the sixth individual is unclear given the information provided. Wait a minute. So they said they didn't know the name of the co-conspirators. Now they're saying they're listed in the indictment? Wait, but let me just say, unlike the first five co-conspirators listed in the indictment, but they just said earlier they didn't know who they were. Wait a minute. Where is this? The check of the capital case. Voter fraud. Where does it say that? Oh, perhaps the most well-known of the alleged conspirators. No, wait a minute. Didn't they say somewhere? Oh, here we go. While Smith has not disclosed the names of those under investigation, right? So here's the contradiction. This article contradicts itself. It's kind of funny. Well, this is way up in the, in the first few paragraphs. While Smith, that's, that's Jack Smith, the special agent, has not disclosed the names of those under investigation, the Post identified the most likely individuals listed as co-conspirators. The most likely individuals listed as co-conspirators in the indictment. So in other words, they don't know. They don't know. Then they make up five names who they think is on it, right? Then they get down to the last one, who they actually say they don't know. That this is unlike the first five co-conspirators listed in the indictment. So they're not likely anymore. Now they're co-conspirators, but whoop, that's my 92nd one. So they're now they're now they're co-conspirators by the end of the by the end of the article, right? Instead of being likely, they're now co-conspirators, right? It says the identity of the sixth individual is unclear given the information provided. Well, I guess it's the information not provided, otherwise you'd know, right? <laughs> It's, she says there are several possible individuals, who, unless some guy's named Caitlin. It is New York, after all. There are several possible individuals who could fit the allegations that prosecutors attributed to the political operative listed as co-conspirator number six. But m- the most likely person 
is Michael Roman. Who's that? The Trump 2020 campaign manager, campaign's director of election day operations. Well, that's back in November. That's nothing to do with January. The same prosecutors described the final co-conspirator as a political consultant who helped implement a plan to submit fraudulent slates of presidential electors to obstruct the certification proceedings. See, it all comes back to the Trump electors. Now, why does it come back to the Trump electors? Because the Trump electors can throw Brandon out of the White House. That's why. That's this, what this is all about. What this has always been about is discrediting, disallowing, arresting, prosecuting, removing the legitimate Trump electors put forward by the seven battleground states. Well, no, I think it's maybe four of them. Put forward by the battleground state Republican legislators. Okay, Marco's got to go. We got ten seconds left. Bye, Marco. <laughs> Thanks very much. Uh, you said they weren't scripted. Yeah, this show's not scripted at all. <laughs> the rest of the news might be scripted, or not. Anyway, got a little bit more to go, Marco. So thank you very much. Catch the end of the show is not really that much. But the point is, it all comes down to the Trump electors. Okay, it all comes down to the Trump electors. The Trump electors are the key to throwing Brandon out. And if the state legislators ever put forward the Trump electors, decertified their Brandon electors, this would all be over. But they don't do it. Because the states are part of the coup, too. Or they're so cowed and afraid of, of staying up and doing something at this point that uh, they don't. And that's why we have Brandon in the White House, and that's why the country sucks right now. Make America suck. So thank you, Deep State. Thank you, thank you, wimpy Republicans. Thank you, gelding Republicans. Thank you, gelding state legislators. Make America suck. You're all part of the Make America Suck campaign, and you suck, too. And that's the way it is. I have to read the rest of this. I'm bored. <laughs> you get the idea. Uh, this article is on my Facebook page as well as uh, everything else I talked about today. Have fun. Good luck. Enjoy yourselves. I'll be back tomorrow with the Friday show. This has been such a fun time. Uh, the only thing left to play is our, our selection of the day for our classical music selection. Back again tomorrow morning, 7 a.m. Central Time. And uh, we'll talk then when we do it all again.
With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.